Welcome to episode 27 of the Hike or Die Outdoor Adventure Podcast. I'm here with my co-host Craig. Craig, would you ever replace me on this podcast with a dog? <laughs> no, mate, never, never. Good, okay, that's the answer I was looking for. Because as you would know, with our conversation with John Garcia from Soldiers for Wildlife... It turns out that the dogs they've got on the ground there are pretty switched on, mate. So I really am grateful that you're allowing me to stay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, do the funky music thing, brother. Thank you, as always, to our regular podcast sponsors for their support. Topo Maps Plus, a phone application that allows you to view topographical maps and track your location even without cell phone coverage. Go deeper into the backcountry. Rios Floating Polarized Sunglasses with 100% UV protection for the love of water. Bluey Merino, Australian super fine merino wool base mid top layer garments. Where our story ends, yours is just beginning. Caribbee, one of Australia's leading backpack, travel and outdoor brands. They supply us with dry bags, waterproof day packs and expedition bags. Supporting our sponsors allows us to continue to produce this podcast. So please jump online and check out what they have to offer. Welcome everybody to another exciting podcast. One that was absolutely fascinating to record. Uh, Craig, how are you, mate? Hey, Tom, I'm great, mate. I'm really glad to be back here doing doing some more podcasts, and yeah, had a we had a great chat. So that's I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, this this was good. I I think uh, I was kind of thinking about it on the way here, and I thought I'd explain what's what's up with us, and that is, you know, what we've kind of done is we've released the podcasts around when we can uh, meet with. Uh, international guests and get things out uh, after that but uh, something that we've started doing recently because we've I don't know how to put it we've been a little bit dictated by other people's times frames and so what we've decided to do is just uh, strike while the iron's hot get the uh, interviews in the bag and then come back later on and uh, give us the news and the updates hmm. and a little intro and i think this is uh the first of many it certainly means we'll be able to bring you more podcasts but it also means we should be a little bit more switched on because it won't be one o'clock in the morning <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is a nice way to do it for sure mate yeah we'll see how it goes anyway but hopefully uh, i mean the end goal is you guys get more awesome guests more often and another thing that'll probably happen is uh, we'll probably waffle on a little bit less mm -hmm. at the start. Mm -hmm. Nice. And uh, well, seems to be... Well, I've got something to share with you. Oh, okay. This is um, good. Yeah, well, it's not good. I don't know if it is good. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, it is good. It is very good. Um, remember, I've been um, switching on to a podcast. Um, it's called um, the Bring Back the Warrior. And yep. listening to that... Um, the, it's an awesome podcast. You guys have got to check it out. And there, uh, there was one part where, where Dwayne was talking and he, he thought it was insignificant or I, 
it could have been insignificant that he just decided to just to value just some small moments with his kids, and he decided yep. to fix up the basketball hoop. And yeah, then yeah. Just encourage. I to that episode. Have you heard that too? Yep. Yeah, so, yeah. So he's an upcoming guest. If you, if you're wondering why that, we've kind of pretty excited about it. Yeah, that's right. He's awesome, and um, I realized that just that quality time of just playing a bit of hoops with his kid made me think. And so lately at night after after dinner, I've been getting the kids dressed up with their head torches on, and we've been going out at night walking through this little bush tracks out the back of this place yep, and spotting um, owls and possums. And and I tell you what, mate, I've been worried about the kids spending a bit much time on their iPads and stuff. And, yeah. Uh, it's been the best thing. They get so excited when I say in the morning tonight we'll go on a bush walk, you know. after Even tonight when it was raining, we put raincoats on and went out in the rain. Yeah, that's and, fantastic. You know, I'm loving it. So, yeah, just a little thing maybe if you guys have got kids that, you know, you just need to connect with, just take them out in the evening when it's dark and just, just dig out your old head torches that, you know, that's what I did and gave them yeah, all I one. Yeah, the old, the old uh, <laughs> one each. The ones and, that I've upgraded. And, um, oh, man, and they were... And then it was stealth mode. They turned their torches off for a little bit. It was it was really cool. So we've had mm. had some great fun doing that. No, that's fantastic. And I, and you don't need to have access to what we've got access to. You can literally be in a small backyard, and you'd be amazed how much you'll see at of an evening, no matter where you are in the world. But also, there's things like local parks and places like that that are worth walking down to, and you're guaranteed to see something. If nothing else, you see the world from a different perspective when there's no light. And with my boys, I think it's been quite an education to demonstrate to them that the the world's exactly the same place, uh, except it doesn't have light refracting off things. So we, where I'm going with that is that kind of fear of the dark mm. sort of space where they're, they're scared at night. And I say, well... You need to understand that um, everything at night's not scary. And the last time we went um, camping as a family, we I did two two night hikes, two two nights in a row, and took all three boys, and they were just. I mean, we saw so much cool stuff. These beautiful frogs. We saw a massive uh, python cruising around and we did what you said before and at, at one point we just all turn off our head torches mm. let our eyes adjust and see what we can actually see and and pretty soon they kind of understood that yeah it's the same relatively safe place but uh it just doesn't have light so yeah that's that's been interesting that's cool man i'm, I'm glad you're doing that and yeah, just inject a bit of quality time there yeah. and, and and it's it doesn't have to be i think that's what so many people try and plan some big epic thing on the weekends with their family but we're forgetting and and your point to your point and to the point that Dwayne made on that podcast is 20 minutes is quality time yes that's... kids don't care about you you putting in all this effort to go to some special place that makes you feel like father of the year mm-hmm. kids care about 20 minutes digging a hole in the garden yeah know, and and he stick. i guess yeah and um he said you know find your 20 minutes with your kids instead of like i've been at home with my kids but not 
so much doing something together like that. And so, yeah, I think I really got a lot out of it and um, encourage you all to look for that little special moments. Um, it's good. That's great. We got out to our local trails on Sunday morning, a whole lot of us. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that I remember a few podcasts ago, it was quite a few podcasts ago now, we saw a dingo down there, that down at that spot. All right. So, um, yeah, we went back down and took a uh, took a few different trails. They're real keen to go find new trails, so I took them uh, a different way so that we were only going down fresh trails, and and they love that. And we stop and have our snacks and our drinks and talk about everything known to man. And then they fill their pockets with interesting rocks and stones, and yeah, yeah. And then we walk home with all that stuff, and yeah. <laughs> bring stuff back for sure <laughs> but uh it's cool it's such simple simple way to spend a few hours and i guarantee you that it's the best time you'll ever spend yeah that's dead straight simple pleasures mate probably just end the podcast there eh? yeah yeah done and dusted that's enough <laughs> <laughs> uh we are fueled tonight by the coffee works and uh you can find them at coffeeworks.com.au what have you got there craig dark mountain yeah black Dark well, Mountain. Black Mountain. No, it's Black Mountain. Sorry. Yes. Uh, Black Mountain. I thought it just broke my coffee machine. It's so good, but it didn't. Uh, yeah. I, um, I got, <laughs> I, yeah, tried to make this massive shot and it made it. Yeah, no, it's an absolute cracking coffee. <laughs> it's um, awesome. Very kindly supplied to us here uh, to keep us going through the night. Uh, as I said, find them at coffeeworks.com.au. They also make fantastic chocolate. Craig, you can testify yeah, to that. Yeah. Did you get all? Th- did you get through all of that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I did. Think mine and was gone in about a day, if not two. I, I actually, Anna took some, and I didn't even get a bit of it. <laughs> no way. Yeah, yeah. Did yeah. you get any of the chocolate coated coffee beans? Yes, I did. Yeah, oh, that, they are exceptional. That's pretty good. Yeah, I, I smashed those down. <laughs> so yeah, very kind of those guys to um to to keep us uh, awake. Thank you very much. While I'm on a roll. To all of you bearded gents out there, and ladies, that's fine. I don't mind. Uh, We are also sponsored by JerichoAustralia.com. They make handmade beard groom products from all natural ingredients. We've spoken about these guys a couple of times before. Uh, I'm getting to the point where I am starting to run out of uh, a particular beard balm, and, and I'm panicking, mate. Because it's so damn good. I put it on every morning after I have my shower and a little peppermint oil. And yeah, it's just, it's, it kind of lasts the whole day. But I'm starting to stress. So I need to hook up with those guys again. But the exciting thing for you is if you go to their website, jerichoaustralia.com, on checkout, you can use the promo code hike or die. That's one word, all capitals. And you get 15% off your purchase. Doesn't matter what it is. Oils, waxes, shampoos, conditioners, beard balms, beard butters, anything. It's good news. Support our supporters. We really appreciate it. You know what's next, Craig? No, no, tell me, tell me. I've got to do the, uh, I've got to do the quiz because it's a new yeah, thing. The new quiz. I've got to tell you the quiz so that you it's can stew over it the now. entire podcast. Answer. Well, not the entire podcast, but a large answer at the end this one's a um multiple choice okay Hit which me. uh which it wasn't last time uh so yeah one of one of our um 
one of our listeners for some reason decided that I'd be a good person to ask for some some questions for their trivia group. And so I gave him two questions and then when I wrote back to him I said, it's actually not a bad idea to drop these into the uh, podcast, mm-hmm. give people something to think about and learn something at the same time. Okay? People love learning. This mm. is free. You might know the answer to this, Craig. In fact, I think you do. So you need to keep a pretty stoic, calm, you know, just don't react to any of the multiple choices, okay, mate? So right. the audience can play along. I don't want you setting them off on a tangent. Do you, do you get it? There's a bit of pressure here. Okay. Yeah, there's a bit of pressure. Just don't <laughs> say anything or I don't want to hear, mm, <laughs> yes, <laughs> oh, oh, that, that old one. <laughs> Rubbish. <laughs> All right, here we go. And I'll, and I'll try and, and, and say it all in a very calm voice so you can't pick. Here's my poker face, right? Yeah, it's my poker voice. Alexander Pierce was an Irish convict sent to Australia in 1819 for the theft of six pairs of shoes. So far, that's 100% correct. He was most famous for A. Going on to become a high-ranked and influential military officer in Australia's history. B. Opening his own cobbler's store in Sydney after his release, which later became the iconic Pearson Sons brand of boots. C. Escaping from the penal colony on two occasions and eating his fellow escapees while they made their way back to civilization, later gaining him the nickname of the Pie Man. D. Discovering the only possible route through the Tasmanian mountain ranges, opening up communication and trade that was previously not possible on the island. Or E. Escaping from the penal colony, only to be captured by an indigenous tribe, who later befriended him and allowed him to live out the rest of his days with their tribe, becoming the first person to truly bridge the gap between the respective communities. There you go. I leave it with you. Very interesting, Tom. Do not let me forget to clarify that one at the end. I'm not going to comment on any of that, but um, no, very, you can't. very interesting. Yeah, thank you I, very uh, much. Yeah, we'll learn something, I think, by the end of this. Thank you. <laughs> That's all right, mate. It's possible. Hey, uh, I've got an amendment, and you actually picked me up on this in the last podcast, and I said, shut up, Craig. You don't know what you're talking about, man. Uh, <laughs> That's that's not uncommon. No. So what exactly, uh, which exact... Which exact one? There's probably many. Which time? This is the one I'm prepared to admit to. Right. Uh, I spoke about the bus, the iconic bus that they've now removed. It was associated with the film Into the Wild. It's where Chris McCandles died. Yep. Uh, I was very adamant that four people had... uh, There was four deaths associated with hikers trying to reach the bus. And you said at the time, you actually looked it up and said, oh, it looks like there's only two. And I argued and argued like a fool and said, I think there's two pairs of people. Uh, so there was the two deaths did. A, a, there is only two deaths. You're 100% correct. And they appeared in two separate occasions. So that's where I got confused with the two pairs. Only one of the uh, pairs died each time. And... Uh, my understanding is both of those were at the river crossing. So anyway, yeah, mm. so anyone, I just don't want people walking around uh, arguing with their friends or if they are at some trivia nights and, and someone said, how many deaths are, have been associated with the Into the Wild bus? And they say, 
I know this one. I'll bet my house on it that yeah. it's four because Tom said it. <laughs> oh, you'd be wrong. The answer's two. Craig, two, Craig two had it deaths, right the deaths. whole time. Uh, perfect segue into a little safety video that I found. Uh, obviously, silly question. Uh, you know Mount Barney. Yep. Mount Barney's a pretty formidable little peak. Only a couple of hours from us here, very popular with all sorts of climbers and hikers because uh, you can traverse it some, uh, so, in an infinite amount of ways from really steep cliff faces to um, just scrambling and hiking. The, well, I guess what you call it, national parks, uh, national parks and wildlife put out a really cool little video. I think it only goes for about four and a half, five minutes. Mm. And it's, I think it's, it's very difficult for organizations like that to put out safety videos that A, people watch, and B, they find it semi-interesting and C, they actually, you know, listen to it and take on some of that knowledge, okay? Mm. But they've, they've just done a real simple video. It's just rangers talking to the to the camera it's a local police officer who's involved in all the rescues and i think an ses uh, um which is our search and rescue guys mm. real simple video i'm not going to say anything more about it it's on the show notes page uh and if you're he heading down that way i just recommend you just check it out spend five minutes and check it out because there's been many occasions i've considered putting this one on the list both craig and i have hiked in and around the area but we've not done the peak and i'm in two minds like every time i think about it i do a bit of research and think no that's that's pretty full on and watching this gave me some more things to consider before i go running down there on some silly solo trip Mm, yeah, yeah, it looks pretty. Yeah, it looks pretty difficult. A couple of my friends um, posted at their summit recently, and I, I got a little jingle to to go again and do it. Perhaps do it. Um, what's what are your thoughts after watching that video, mate? Do you reckon you and I could do it, or we'd need a guide? What do you reckon? It's tough. It's tough. I'm still fifty fifty. Could we do it? Mm, probably yes. Um, could we do it? safely and calmly not so sure <laughs> would it be good to have somebody there who had done it once or twice before absolutely yes it absolutely would just put a certain calm and confidence um, yeah and confidence and a lot of things they say is people people start going the wrong way and uh that gets them into all sorts of trouble and what, what you don't want in places like that is to get cliffed out and not be able to go forwards or back you know things like that so yep yeah, not too sure, mate. I don't want to give a definitive answer on that. I will get up there one day, but it just depends who with. Hmm, nice. Yeah, because why would you want to go anywhere as a solo hiker? I found this article on National Geographic, and normally I quickly... I, I, kind of have a bit of a look at these articles and then I just move on because they just regurgitate the same information and, you know, make sure you carry this and make sure you carry that. And, okay, we've heard that a hundred times. You've certainly heard it a hundred times from the two of us. 
But this one, they were talking to uh, this guy called Andrew Harrington. He's not only a survival instructor, but he's also a search and rescue team leader. Uh, In particular, he works the Great Smoky Mountains National Park area. So the good thing about this article is they've actually talked to somebody on the ground and I'd, I'd recommend having a little read over it. It is, it is specifically about um, day hikers and it says that uh, statistics show that they are the most vulnerable uh, in survival situa- situations. Wandering off the trail is the number one reason ahead of injury and bad weather. And that's why they uh, require the search and rescue teams. The study is from rescues of over the last 25 years. 41% of the survivors began their odysseys, which ranged from half a day missing to 90 days missing, by accidentally straying from the trail. Another 16% fell off the trail, couldn't find their way back. I'm not sure if that's literally... Or if that's a bit of a hiking term, like I, I fell off the trail. In other words, I lost the trail. Yeah, couldn't quite work that out. <laughs> I mean, there's been plenty. You remember that time I fell off yeah. the trail? Yeah, I was thinking of that just then. At <laughs> Bulls Falls. Yes, definitely. I fell right off the trail. You sure did. I was like a turtle, but <laughs> but not a ninja one. And Craig had to grab me and drag me back off this six seven foot ledge. Yeah. Uh, that was fun. You <laughs> were using your hiking pole like a ninja. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, so yeah, the research also suggests that, almost definitely backs up, the, the vulnerable group is not hikers who are going deep into the wilderness and they've got all their backpack and they've got all their equipment for, you know, th- two days, three days, four days. They're not the ones that are at the highest risk. It's always the day hikers uh, and as they put it, they're more likely to throw a camera in the bag instead of, um, you know, something like an emergency bivy or a rain jacket or mm. uh, just the, the things that a, a, a mini kind of um, first aid kit, things like that. Oh no, I don't. I won't need that. I'm only going out. For, I'm doing this trail. It's going to take me two hours. I don't mm. need that. And so they're pointing the finger at solo day hikers. Is that the point? Uh, no, not solo. But solo did come up. Definitely did come up in this. Higher risk, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because obviously, if you're solo and you do get lost or injured, there's absolutely no chance of, um, you know, I'll wait here and you go and get help. It's no, well, I'm just here. And if I don't have Mm -hmm. a phone reception or a personal locator beacon, then I'm pretty much um, stuffed until someone finds me. Whereas if we're on a overnight at least or a, d- a double day, a multi-day, then you've got heaps of stuff in your pack that you've can support food, you. You've got food, you've probably shelter. got water, you've got um, shelter and probably, as they've mentioned, probably more communication access. Mm. Mm-hmm. We're more likely to have a PLB. That's why you see me go on day hikes with a 60-litre pack. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm up to 80. You know, everything in there. Got tents, everything. But uh, it, it did, uh, it was a very good article, very well put together. And just some of the statistics that were thrown out yeah, right. was, uh, was really cool. What about this one? Uh, of our 100 search and rescue incidents a year, 90% are day hikers. Oh, wow. 
Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah, so it's um, staggering. And it, it all just comes down to they have the mindset that they're only heading out for a short amount of time. Mm. They don't take anything uh, beyond that, and they then they get in trouble. And as he says in the article, you might think, oh, well, uh, it's going to mean a, a cold night sitting there. But he says, if you've ever stayed out the night, it's dark for a long time, it's cold for a long time, you mm. can't get comfortable. Like, we know that from sleeping on the ground. It's horrible. Yeah, right. So... I guess it just comes down to being a little bit more prepared. I always carry a emergency bivy. It's very, very small, very, very lightweight, and I could wrap myself up in that. I always have a rain jacket. Always have a small first aid kit, just basic stuff, even if I'm just going to take some photos somewhere that I've been a hundred times. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I won't dwell on that. It's a good article. Check it out. There's a lot of safety stuff coming up here today, just a coincidence. There was an article I saw, now this doesn't affect us, Craig, although it has affected me in a way. Uh, They're talking about bear-proof canisters and bags, obviously for our friends in the US. And there's an article on outdoor, sorry, outside magazine online. And they're basically saying that to stop hanging your food you know that old thing where you i'll show you a picture you basically throw a line over a tree like this yeah and yep. you, you hang your food and apparently the bear can't reach it from the tree it can't hang down off the branch and it can't reach it off the ground okay yep uh so basically after all of the incidents all the statistics they're pretty much saying hanging bags is an ineffective way to keep bears from ripping your food to pieces and they gave some pretty convincing uh information there from someone who who seems to be pretty well versed i'll just quickly go through some of the reasons not to hang a bear bag and even the writer says i no longer hang bear bags and never recommend it the technique is plagued with problems one You probably suck at it. (laughs) Two, it's often impossible. I I read that one. I thought, you know what? That's kind of true in some of the places we've camped before. Yeah. Where there's no high trees or anything like that. Yeah, we always try and do it with our our, our trash, our rubbish bag, so we can keep it away from the critters, eh? Yeah, because, I mean, remember that time we were on that canoe trip and that that went, bush went into, rat bit, yeah, bit yeah. through through your tent. The tent got in and tried to. Well, it was stealing the cookies, wasn't it? The tiny, yeah, the tiny teddy cookies that yeah. I'd stolen from my son's <laughs> kind of lunchbox food, uh, and took on this trip. And so that little bugger was getting in. Yeah. I thought he was on the outside of the tent, and I kept hitting the tent because it was irritating me. And then one time I actually turned the head torch on and it was right in front of my face eating the biscuits. That's right. And then I sat up and went, oh, jeez, he's bitten a hole through the tent. Yep. So, yeah, since that trip, well, every time I've gone canoe in there, I've always taken barrels after that. Yeah, right. And then I do hang a lot of things up in trees just in a dry bag sort of thing. Mm. Uh, but we don't have anything as deadly as this to worry about. 
Uh, yeah, three, it's time-consuming, so that's a pretty good point. You get into camp late and uh, you, you start mucking around with stuff like that. It's not going to um, be fun. Says he it can cause injury or death. I think that's a bit of a stretch. But, uh, hey, he's the expert, not me. Uh, five, it's rarely effective against a determined bear. And there's a couple of videos that they've included of bears. The way they climb trees, especially black bears, absolutely incredible. Six, more user-friendly options exist for less audacious bears. And he gives a whole bunch of options there of different canisters. Just be mindful, though, if you do look at his recommended canisters. So is that what he's suggesting, use a barrel or something instead? Yeah, like these sorts of things. They call them hard-walled, and I think that uh, hard-sided canisters, I think that's a term to to demonstrate that it, it you know, the pressure, it, it can't be crushed and the lid pop off. Okay. Yeah. Um, but just in some of the reviews, so I went and looked at some of the ones he recommended and there's a few people saying that they have had them broken into whatever. So just be careful about what brand. I'm certainly not an expert in any of this, as you would know, uh, and I'm not recommending any of these brands. I'm just saying maybe some of our US friends might want to rethink their their hanging their food. Anyway, I thought it was interesting because they gave a safety video for for local Australian people. I thought, well, it's only fair that I that <laughs> yeah that I talk about that. Balance it up, dude. Balance it up. And of course, that's not the only place there's bears in the world as well. We've got listeners from mm. other places that have bears. And so I guess that's the big threat is that the bear's going to come for the food. And so leaving it outside mm. the tent's the safest option rather than oh, have most the bear. Definitely. That's number one. That's a no-brainer is so don't, don't, don't have the steak strapped to your body, <laughs> some kind of vest, a steak vest. And I, I guess it works in many ways to keep the, the bear busy with the food out hanging from the tree anyway rather than – and then you may be able to escape while it's playing around with well, that. It, well, the idea is you even if you have it up in a tree, you've got it. Absolute minimum of sort of 50 metres, I think, was what I read somewhere away from your camp, which right. is a fairly fairly long distance if you consider, um, you know, thick vegetation or something no. like that. Several times a week, I I just I just look at myself in the mirror and say, thank God we don't have freaking bears in Australia. Yeah. We've got other nasty stuff. There's, there's no, absolutely no <laughs> doubt about that. Uh, you know, things like crocodiles, um, but... Imagine having bears to contend with when you're mm. in the in the wild here. No, I was just thinking about after reading that article. I was thinking about it, and actually, there's a funny shout out coming up where mm. she actually refers to bears. Yeah, because there's another way of keeping bears away, apparently, and you'll find out about that in the very near future. <laughs> How's right. that? Yeah, good. Just in case I ever need it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to finish on a on a real happy one. This one did make me very happy. Finish on a high with the news, remember? Oh, yep. The, there's been a reintroduction of bilbies. Bilbies are a cool little uh, marsupial about the size of a cat, I guess. Uh, they, it's believed that they've inhabited Australia for up to 15 million years. They coexisted with Indigenous Australians, no problems at all. 
But just in the 200 odd years that Europeans have arrived, they've been, um, you know, they're getting pushed to extinction. At the mm. moment, their numbers are around 9,000 and on the decrease, which is unfortunate. Mm. But this was a really cool article where they've gone ahead and they've created these areas, obviously with um, predator-proof fences for, for people who don't understand. The, the only trouble that we have with our native animals here is um, feral cats. So domestic cats get out into the wild, they breed, and they're extremely effective killers. And also foxes, <clears throat> those, you know, the beautiful kind of red ones that you see in fairy tales and stuff, they are, mm. they were released here for uh, purposes of a fun day out hunting. And they've taken over, have done really, really well in the landscape. They're very small and they can get into our native animals' holes. And they can also kill some native animals that, like the cats, one of the only things that can kill an echidna, uh, which is kind of like a porcupine in the States, it has spikes everywhere. They roll up in a ball and they just stay on the ground. Uh, yeah, one of the only things that can can kill them is a cat because it'll roll them onto their back and then attack their soft little underbelly, which is very sad. So anyway, I'm supposed to be getting to the good part of this, hmm. is they've Got these areas, one area is the Mallee Cliffs National Park and the Peliga, Peliga State Conservation Area. In 2018, they reintroduced them that into that area. They'd never been in that in area for over 100 years. So consider that for a second. They used to be all across Australia. Now they only cover, they're only found in about 15% of Australia. In this area, they were not found for a hundred years. They've reintroduced them. These are fenced areas, are covering a large, large space. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing is, so after they released them in 2018, but what they've discovered now is there's new generations. So there's babies from the ones that they released um, two years ago, and which is a fantastic sign that they've taken back uh well first of all that they're not getting uh mm. predators attacking right. uh, secondly that they've found themselves very comfortable back in that environment comfortable enough to um you know increase their numbers i think that's fantastic news that's a good news story it is is that seriously the end of your news though well it's not the end of that story i well, was just continue the story yeah i was just going to say on the show notes, there's a cool little video of of everything, but it it's got the bilby on it. If you if you want to know how cute a bilby is, just check it out. And also, there's an organisation that I follow on Facebook and uh, on Instagram. They're called Bush Heritage Australia. Uh, and I was just thinking as I was putting the notes together, I thought if someone really wanted to help, these guys do a whole bunch of of work on Australian native animals. So they help with things like this. They help with um, protecting animals from predators, regenerating land and stuff like that. And so if you go to bushheritage.org.au, there is actually ways there that you can help 
so yeah, if if that's something that you're interested in, that is not. I am not paid to say that. I just genuinely thought if somebody wanted to help, they might want to know how. Hmm. But yeah, that that's the end of my news, mate. What what are you hinting at? <clears throat> right. Speaking of predators. Oh. Arnie's well, Arnie's coming out to hike with us. <laughs> <laughs> you must not have been watching the news earlier this week. Uh, I, I don't watch the news. I can tell. I just don't. I can tell. What's happened? Big cats. Oh, here we go again. Black Panther. Have you seen the footage? No, I have not. It is it is perfect. So you're going to be having to add this to your show notes. It is pristine footage of a Black Panther out out back of Sydney. Okay, because this has been a thing oh. that, that it's been a... Um, Look at that. Argument for... Can you turn the screen? Oh, sorry. So that's... But there's video. There is actual video of this thing walking across a, like a, a meadow or, or a paddock. And I, I watched it. It looks legit. So... Yeah, so and then a tracker's been out to to make sure and confirm, and they've they've put it all over the news, mate. They found one. I'm still not going to believe it until it's, it's... footprints. Okay, footprints is good. <laughs> uh, it's a big footprint, so it's not because I remember they used to show old footage, and it was just a big feral cat that was black, and when it, when it's in the distance, you can't really tell how big it is. Yeah. Um, it's long I love been that. Australian. Mr. Mr. McDonald said he'd been meditating. He'd when been he meditating the creature, and it was yeah. it was quick to start filming. Yeah, yeah, no, I I immediately thought of you, and then I went, oh, is this in Australia? And then I've I've, I've looked into it, mate. This is an amazing out, uh, you know, outcome because just looking at similar similar stories in Australia recently, like there are people dedicating their lives to what they are certain they've seen in the mm. wild. They've they've they, they comment that these black cats jumped out of a tree in front of them and taken off and they swear it was like a they call them a puma or a, or a panther and they reckon they must have escaped puma from, for our US friends <laughs> they must have escaped puma. from like a, a circus or something from from way back and that, got, yeah, that's always been i mean i've heard that story for 20 years that it, I, a, a panther escaped from a a zoo or a circus what, and they then it bred and now there's heaps of them out there but no one's ever seen them yeah, yeah. So, so th- th- like this other story here, uh, sightings in Australia. And he says, Mr. King is convinced that they are there, but he knows that the only one thing, big thing missing is the, uh, in the years of big cat sightings is proof. And there's guys, you know, making documentaries about it and everything up until now. And they, now they've got a bit of footage, mate. Oh, do you want to see it? Uh, or we'll just put it in the show notes. I'll look at it later. Yeah. I'm still skeptical, man. If and, I, and also, if uh, I click play on this, it may play something it's else. It's going to play an ad for sure. Yeah. I'd have you. Yeah. How do I go back to it? Uh, I um, here, watch this. Yeah. I'd turn the volume off. <laughs> oh, you got it. Oh, the volume's off. It's about to play. Sorry for our. This is obviously not great for, for radio. <laughs> here it comes. There's a. Yeah, it's it's very very big. You can tell by the way it walks that that it's big. Yeah, as you see, I would um, I wouldn't argue that that's there. You go. 
that that's a big black cat. There you go. The problem is... You reckon it's just a massive feral? No, no, I don't think that's a big feral. What they need to do, and I don't... Here we go. Good, good job. Yeah, <laughs> doing a great job. He's all over it. He's oh, yeah. Probably, yeah. 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 Excellent. <laughs> Welcome to professional radio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would suggest that... Here's the thing. Here's where I've got problems with all of these theories is uh that's very good footage i'm not going to argue uh as long as that checks out that it was that footage was actually taken there uh you said that there's footprints i can see photos of them there's still that's not convincing me that there's a population of them because mm. to for example you've read the thylacine book just like i have and sure, sure, sure. what did he say that the minimum was something like a thousand You'd need to have a thousand in one, uh, some somewhere between six hundred and a thousand in one population, just so that uh, for genealogy, just so that they didn't interbreed and and kind of kill themselves out. Right. So that that's what I'm saying is that is is that a black panther? Maybe it is, and maybe they catch it and they find out it is has has come from somewhere or whatever. But is there another um, 700 of them out there that's keeping that population alive? I'm not really convinced. The reason I'm not convinced is because I know a lot of people who spend a lot of time in the bush. I know a lot of people who have trail cameras up uh, 24-7 and it streams back to their phones. Um, and they can check the photos and the videos. And these things aren't coming up on people's uh on people's cameras so that that's the only kind of thing that hmm. for me is is that a panther looks like a black panther to me yep yep does it mean that there's a sustainable colony there no it doesn't hmm. so i'm real skeptical if, if they can also if they can capture it and sort of identify exactly what it is and find out how many bilbies are in their stomach yeah, find out how that thing would just <laughs> scoff them down. And the problem with that is, uh, and this is the other thing, I mean, um, you, you say there's a joke, but uh, these places that are doing conservation for things like the Bilbies have hundreds of... Feral cats. No, no, hundreds what? of trail cams. That haven't picked up the panthers. Set up yeah. all the time. Yeah. 24-7 at various locations. So... One of two things would happen is they they would scale a fence no problems they're massive that thing mm -hmm. uh, and but it would start coming up on things so is there one big cat that's roaming around there it looks like there is did someone might smuggle be, it in on a ship or something might not be a population but there might be a couple out there maybe but then it's um, then I still don't believe that the stories I heard twenty years ago is that cat because they don't have that life expectancy. Mm. So there's a lot of holes in it. Is that a big black cat? Mm. Damn straight it is. Did he take that footage there? I don't know. Uh, we've yeah, we know people like that have you know yeah swear we've, we've got a mutual friend who's adamant that he saw one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got other friends, but that was a long, and long, long time this. ago. Grant Daniel installed cameras on his property after spotting black panthers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah he's strange.
It's Don't possible. No, look, a lot of people talk about it like it is, uh, it's the real thing and there's a bit of proof, a and bit also, of evidence. Also, oh, well, I'm glad to see it's on that website, but the uh, I'm not going to say the name of the show that it refers to at the, at the start there, the TV show, but anything that appears on that TV show, I pretty much don't believe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Straight up. Anyway. One yeah, I know what you mean. Still I, interesting, though. I'll, I'll take that. I'll put it in the notes. All right. Judge for yourself. There you go, guys. There's something big out there in the in the bush in Australia, and um, we're just uh, we're just getting some evidence coming through. It's not a yowie. <laughs> awesome. Uh, okay. Tom's Magical Mystery Media Mashup. I've got something for you, Craig. Okay. I know you absolutely love, 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 love this sort of stuff. Now, I'm going to mute my volume before I press play, and then I'm going to leave it like that. Perhaps I cannot get this to play. I'll get this one to play, though. Or I won't. Just do whatever I want. <laughs> How about I just copy and paste that? This is a, a trail called uh, what? Watsman? Have a look at that again. Yeah, Watsman, W-A-T-Z-M-A-N-N. It's a mountain in the Bavarian Alps, south of the village, if you want to be very specific, south of the village of Bershtesgadan. Bersh Right. Uh, in that's probably horrendous pronunciation. It's the third highest mountain in Germany. Germany, yeah. And I stumbled across that uh, Facebook video there, which is a couple of people running over the ridge. Mm. Um, but then I did a bit more research, and oh, yeah, I saw this one here and man. thought. Um, yeah, it takes your breath away looking at that stuff. Look down here for a second. The bit, the width of his body is the width of this knife ridge, and it's two thousand, almost two thousand meters above that river there. And you'd almost fall every one of those two thousand meters. I reckon there'd be nothing yeah. to stop you. So, I've put another video on from this other guy. They've obviously got parachutes in those bags, you reckon? Okay. <laughs> Mate, I, would, I just, I don't know. I, I could not do that. That's scary. So that, um, that's really bad. That's got one of those cables that had a really interesting name. Remember oh. when we interviewed um, Richard? Uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he was talking about um, clipping into those. Yep. These guys aren't even clipping in. There's a name for those cables there, which are bolted to the rock. What you're meant to do is you have uh, a harness on with two ropes and two carabiners. And you clip in and you slide. You just slide along as you're walking. And then when you get to one of these steel rods, you take one off, move it, take the other one off, move it over. The, so you've always got one on. That looks there's so a, there's a fancy, good. fancy name for it. But these guys aren't even clipping in. They're just holding on with one hand. Wow, and that the other footage looks incredible. Cam. Imagine oh, that would pop up on a big screen, right, and you'd be immersed in it. Mm. If you like that sort of scary, I'm on the edge of the world sort of footage, this is it. Check it out. That's great. Yeah, it's wow. pretty horrific, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's once, worth checking out. Once again, 
none of our listeners can see this right now, but I swear that's awesome. <laughs> Take my word. That's cool, man. They can always check it out. Did you have another one? Uh, I've only got one other one. Yeah, as I said before, the, the the more frequently that we're catching up to do these podcasts, uh, I just don't get as much time in between to to read stuff, to watch stuff, to research stuff. That's all right, mate. Uh, but I did watch this film called The Long Haul, and it's not even a new f- film. I just stumbled across it. It's been around for a while. Uh, it's about the John Muir trail um why is that happening here's a few stats on the john muir trail uh 47,000 feet of total elevation along the 211 miles length which is a lot it kicks off at mount whitney which we've actually had a few um guests actually i think that i'm pretty sure that tom fabric climbed mount whitney yeah, it's a 14,000, yeah, here it is here, 14,500 14, feet high point, Sorry, Mount Whitney. Sorry, is this in Whitney. Canada or something? Or? No, this is in the US. Right. It starts at Mount Whitney and you, then after 211 miles of unbroken trail, yep. you end up in Yosemite Valley. Um, oh, right. Near Half Dome. Oh, cool. But it most takes most people 21 to 30 days. That's the typical kind of time you'd spend, so three to four weeks. Perfect. Uh, the fastest times hover around three and a half days. All right. <laughs> yes. So that's what this uh, film is about. These couple of guys that decide they want to try and break the record. All right. And... They, yeah, they set out to basically trail run the 211 miles now just for our- Full length or is it a short film? Oh, it's, uh, I think it's about 40 minutes. So yeah, short film. It's a good watch. And just for our metric friends, that's 340 kilometers that these people are covering in three and a half days. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're moving, doing a hundred clicks a day. That's that's a long way. Yeah, it was enjoyable. Anyway, I'd, I recommend checking that out. Mm-hmm. Cool. Shout outs. Remember before I was talking about uh, the bears. I was talking about bears, bear safety. Yeah, yeah. Listen to this. So Jennifer sent us a <coughs> message uh, on uh, a DM in facebook she says uh she's a solo female hiker from washington state mm-hmm. so props to you straight away mm. for um getting out there solo and not waiting for some someone to take you out there much respect yeah she says uh she's been listening to our podcast for ages here's where it gets odd she's on her second time through whoa yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wrote back as I always do and say I'm not sure that's a safe thing to do for anybody. I'm not sure it's safe to, to listen to them all once. Uh, she's on a second run through. Wow, that's dedication. Yeah, so she'll get all the in jokes every time. That's that's great. Wow. Uh, what she does say is she's learned something from every 
so something new from every episode rather, which I, I think is the most fantastic part about her message was, you know, I was just thinking that there's one person out there and I know there's more because you guys have reached out to us that are learning something. And that, and that doesn't mean that it's, it's you or I telling them something interesting. It's, it's probably just something even in a news article that I've read no, off a screen and they've gone, oh, thanks. Now I know about bear canisters, Tom, because you certainly don't. Or even if it's just your quiz, mate, you know. <laughs> even if it's the quiz, well, now it could be the quiz. The she, quiz. She'll definitely learn something. Jennifer, you're going to learn something about the last episode. Now it's going to be. Um, what was the last episode that was the, um, what's the two two mammals that lay eggs? So, yeah, you'll. You Platypus and that. a kid. No, what am I saying? Mammals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Echidna. Platypus and echidna. All right. Yep. Yes. Uh, So it gets real funny when she says- um, I'm just worried there's going to be listeners out there telling everyone that there's, you know, black panthers in Australia now because of- (laughs) Well, yeah. Hence the reason you said it and not me. Yeah, right, right. We've got to be careful what we say then if people are actually listening, mate. That's what I'm saying. But no, it's good Uh, that they're learning stuff. It's too late for that. 20, what is 26, 27 episodes in. Yeah, yeah. I don't think, uh, yeah, it's too late for everybody. Too late. It's out there. All right. Jennifer listens on Spotify while at camp for the night. Oh, really? And she says, I'm sure it helps keep the bears away. Keep it up. I appreciate you and what you do. That's good advice. I appreciate that you've taken the time out of your day to write to us and let us know. Uh, I sound like a broken record, but honestly, we don't know what we're doing uh, unless you guys write in and, and tell us we're on the right track or you want this or you don't want that. Uh, but yeah, it helps keep the bears away. There you go. So maybe that's a new tagline for the um, Hike or Die Outdoor Adventure podcast. We help keep the bears away. <laughs> It doesn't surprise me. I mean, imagine, <laughs> first of all, the intro song comes on, freaks them out, off yeah, they go. Second yeah. of all, I don't know so much as keeps them away, perhaps, because uh, we do get accused of being very slow. Perhaps it just kind of, our voices just lull them into a calm place. It pacifies they, them. So pacifies they, them. They meander off they're to not find aggressive. blueberries instead of- It's um, not an aggressive scene. Instead of human burritos. Peaceful. Good, yeah, that's that's good. Loved it. Thanks, Jennifer. Uh, I've got an interesting one for you too. Andy's a long-time listener. He actually, oh, way, way back, he actually won one of the little care packs that we sent out with the Caribbean hat and a few bits and pieces. All right, good. Uh, And he sent me an email recently. This is quite funny. It was this knockoff, so an imitation ripoff of the... SOL bivy. That's what I was actually talking about earlier when I was talking about um, what I carry. So I remember we did that review on the Soul bivy. Yeah, yeah, I know the Soul bivy for sure. Well, some ripoff <clears throat> Chinese thing is yeah, uh, yeah. they've gone and made this promo video and they've used footage of me wrapped up in it. Oh, no. Yeah, only about three seconds, but <laughs> they've obviously ripped off another 10 people's videos. Okay. And... <laughs> What Andy's done is he sent the clip and the and the Facebook thing to me and said, oh, "I'm pretty sure this is you." <laughs> is that right? And, yeah, and and I'm pretty sure it doesn't look like you supported. And I said, "Well, not only have they used it without my permission, uh, it's not even the the bag that I'm in is not even what they're promoting. So it's complete hoax. So 
don't get sucked into stuff like that, guys. But what I wanted to say, so anyway, we went through the, I contacted um, uh, the Soul team and both of us have, um, you know, we've dealt with that. So it, it's cool. But the the main reason I bring it up is just really appreciate how there's listeners out there, all, you know, looking out for us um, to take the time to recognize that and then contact me. Was, <laughs> I so, hope there's still a copy of this ad floating around. I can't yeah, wait I'm, to I'm see that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, well, I took a <laughs> screenshot, but I, sh- I should say the video. Um, oh, that's It's fast forwarded, so it makes me look extra weird. Awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess the point is I just really appreciate you guys looking out for us. Yeah, that's good. It takes a lot of time to, um, put content together and and when you just see someone trying to make a dollar off it, not only are they trying to make a dollar off it, absolutely fantastic product, uh, that I'm not paid to say that about. I just absolutely love it. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're trying to generate an income off hard work that, that we've done as well. Not cool, not cool, not cool. I guess before I go any further, you want to know the answer to the quiz. Oh, yes. If it, is it time? Absolutely, it's time. It is time. Unless you've got anything else to add, mate, before I go ahead. No, no, let's do it. Let's do it. So I'll ask the uh, question once more. I won't give you all the options because that will go on forever. Alexander Pierce was an Irish convict sent to Australia in 1819 for the theft of six pairs of shoes. We know that to be a fact. He uh, he actually had six legs. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was not most famous for the six legs. Did you pick, don't say the answer, but did you remember the answer? No. Oh, you have. honestly didn't? No. Oh, that's hilarious because I know for a fact you were told this story um, on the trail what? In Tassie, I'm sure we talked about it. And I'm sure Andy Slozzy in that interview spoke about it as well. Anyway, the answer is... Okay, so he... Yeah, e. He, yeah, yeah. He escaped from... Sorry, C, C, C. What am I talking about? Excuse me. The answer, correct answer is C. He escaped from a penal colony on two occasions uh, and ate his fellow escapees while they made their way back to civilization, later gaining him the nickname of the Pie Man. Oh, man. The funniest part about it's not, it's not a funny story. But the funniest, <laughs> hilarious. funniest part about it is the first time he escaped, he took around five or six other guys with him, and they all... It, it's a harrowing story, let me tell you. They basically... Um, were drawing straws as to who was going to go next. And if anyone fell asleep, they'd just grab the axe and take to him with the axe. And uh, so people just kept getting knocked off. But the first time he made it back to civilization and then he was caught again. And they said, what happened to the other guys you were with? And he said, oh, I killed them all and ate them. And they said, you liar, you... You're trying to protect him. They're still out there somewhere. And so oh, yeah. they punished yeah. him for lying. Yeah. The second time, he does it all over again, convinces, somehow convinces other guys to go with him. Somehow again survives. Again, eats all of his travelers. Yeah. <laughs> again, gets caught. They say, where's the rest of the guys? I, yeah, killed him and ate him. <laughs> You're lying again. 
check his belongings, they open up this kind of sack that he was carrying and there was a human foot in there. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, man. Unbelievable. That's gruesome, man. I'm really... Alexander Pierce, the pieman. Oh, I'm glad you added that quiz to the, the, the See, schedule. Yeah, we're all learning. Mm. We're all learning. Yeah, it's true. We're going to skip to something a bit more serious now, mate, and that is the fantastic conversation that we had with John Garcia from Soldiers for Wildlife. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was such an enjoyable conversation. We we just explored every avenue of, of uh, what he's doing over there in Africa, trying to, uh, not trying to, he is effectively... Uh, protecting animals over there with these uh, wildlife soldiers that he's training up. There's so much to it. It's so complex. I'm not even going to try and really touch on it. There's so many levels to what, what he's doing over there. And he's just a young guy who's just, as you'll find out, just has this amazing drive and, and that's what he's chosen to dedicate himself to. And... Not only is he is he a top bloke, and not only does he have his head screwed on, and and is he doing amazing things, but I just felt that uh, he's the sort of person that you want to support. And if if we can get this podcast out, and if you guys can share it, there's a really uh, legitimate cause in there that needs us all to kind of have a listen and and uh, take a bit of his advice. So. There's, uh, you know, in the podcast we talk about how you can help him or rather how you can help uh, his um, soldiers to, you know, deal better with uh, things like poaching and, and all sorts of stuff over there. That is the main cause of, of all the problems. But, uh, yeah, we, we talk about the dogs. That's what I was alluding to earlier. They've got a canine team now and you can do things like sponsor a dog and yeah, obviously all that money is going back to the right place. Uh, we had such a good time talking to John that after we switched off the mics, I think we spoke for another hour. Yeah. Uh, you know, just and found out about his love for Steve Irwin. Yeah. Which I it, it surprised me at the time, and then very quickly I realised, well, of course, of course, you love Steve Irwin. He's he's basically a you know, very similar kind of mindset, just one hundred percent dedicated to protecting animals conservation and, and you pick that up in john very quickly uh yeah i encourage you all to to listen to this one right to the end yeah it's a great story i reckon all our listeners are going to love this one so um yeah looking forward to it yeah it's it's uh a little bit different in that it, you know it's not specifically hiking related but there's definitely we get into some really good hiking conversations uh, wildlife conversations, outdoor conversations, hilarious uh, snake story that he told us. Mm. Uh, excellent snake story, one of the best. And and all sorts of stuff in between. He's a really likable guy. Have a listen to this and support him any way you can. Anything else to add, Craig? No, that's it. Let's do it. Fantastic. Enjoy the podcast, guys, and thanks for your support. See you later. John, welcome to the podcast, mate. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, I appreciate your time. What, uh, it's 7 a.m. there? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Early early hours. You're just telling us you got an iced coffee there. Yeah, yep. Yeah, it, it's, yeah it's, it's my new thing. I went from hot to ice. Is mm. that right? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was never an iced coffee guy. I don't know. Recently, I got into it. It's so miserable and hot over here You're right kind now. Of- Bringing a bit of masculinity to the iced coffee. I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's good. It's pretty po- it's pretty popular here, so I can't say I'm one of the few uh, men that do this. Oh, okay. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But for sure, it took me a while to get into it. No, good stuff, mate. Hey, uh, I've been doing a, a fair bit of research into, uh, well, to be honest, in, into everything that, that you've been uh, involved in, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, in regards to the Soldiers for Wildlife, I thought that perhaps we could start by you, I guess, spelling out what what the mission is, what the kind of core goal is of, of this this project that you're working on. Yeah, sure. It's a uh, it's it's an anti poaching initiative based in Southern Africa, and we've got four core elements. We we fund the preserves of uh we fund reserves that are on private land, uh, chief's land, nothing, uh, no national parks or anything like that. Um, so we fund private reserves. We uplift local communities by investing in those communities, uh, and also we only employ the indigenous. So when we're creating uh, anti-poaching teams, we only take them from the local communities that are within or surrounding these wildlife regions. Um, education and uh, what's the uplifting local? And then um, that's yeah, that should be it. That should be it. So we're uplifting local communities, education, anti-poaching, um, and funding these private reserves. So there's there's a lot that goes into it, but you find that. If you miss out on something like you know creating the elite anti-poaching units or uplifting the communities, if you're missing one of those, it's not going to be entirely successful. Yeah, um, it's, so, it's something that really stood out. I have to be honest. Uh, it was something. So originally, just you know, just to be clear for yourself and the listener, I was actually sent uh, a kind of a, a media release uh, on what you guys were up to at the moment, and uh, I get a fair bit of stuff sent to me. But I was having a bit of a read through, and I thought. Um, you know, so far it, without sounding offensive, it, it, it's, it's reading like something I may have seen before, you know, there's similar things happening, but then, Mm -hmm. you know, when I actually went in and read it properly, these are the things that stuck out to me was the, uh, was the education, was the, Mm -hmm. was the kind of giving back. And I thought that's when I really started to, um, get interested or rather more interested and think, Hey, this is something a bit different, and, and I was really keen to learn more about it at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, there's so much tourism goes in Africa. I mean, for some countries, it's their second and third, um, you know, biggest um, source of revenue. So, but a lot of these tourist companies, you know, they they don't give back nearly enough to the communities, and that's such a big gap because you'll like go from outside your safari camp to local communities, and they'll be you know still walking seven eight miles every single day to get water. Yeah. You know, and, and th- these people that are out there should be, you know, they should be, re- that's, this is their heritage, you know, it's their traditional land. And, uh, they're, they're, you know, they're very, most of the time, these people are very easy to deal with and they're very, very friendly. You know, life is simple. Yeah. Um, so giving back to them and educating them is super important. And then once you gain the respect of the communities, it also becomes your first radar. You know, they learn to love you, learn to care about you. They know that you're looking after them. So they're going to tell you when, you know, if we've got like a, an out of town poacher come in that's going to go after some elephants, you know, they'll tell you he's there, mm. you know, and it's, uh, it's, it's just a great mutual back and forth. And we really, the more time I spent in Africa initially when I was putting this together, um, you know, I knew I was going there for conservation, but I really didn't know that it was going to turn into a, you know, a conservation and community, uh, initiative overall. Um, so I started to really care about the people and I saw that, you know, the only way to successfully combat this is if you're taking care of both, you know, you can't move into somebody's backyard, 
and say, listen, I'm going to look after this, but you guys got to figure you know, your stuff out on your own. Yeah. You know? Oh, I love that aspect of it because I think mm-hmm. it, it's kind of like that old, um, that old saying, uh, if you give a man a fish, he eats for a day. But if you teach him how to fish, he eats for a lifetime. A hundred percent. You know, hundred percent. That's exactly. what I love about it is you're saying, well, mm-hmm. okay, guys, let's work work together. But uh, if you want to, you know, if you want to move on uh, to another country and and start doing something similar, or if you're, uh, you know, say in current situation, you're probably unable to get there. Uh, mm. it, everything doesn't just stop to a grinding halt. Because yeah. you're yeah. you're kind yeah. of educating them to proceed without you, and I think that's a, mm-hmm. that seems to be quite unique in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they love it, and I think what helps too is uh, I'm not I'm not old. <laughs> I'm relatively young. I'm 29. Oh um, wow! So when I left the military and I got out there, you know, I'm I want to do all these things. You know, I don't want to sit back and after I've learned and just kind of tell people what to do. Like, I mean, I'm out there doing patrols every day. I mean, I'm running the show, but I'm doing workouts with these guys every day. And as much as I am their boss and they are very disciplined, you know, I'm out there doing it with them. And I think they really care about that. And there's, you know, to some extent there's, there's, there's camaraderie between us, you yeah. know, and uh, that's, that's super important. Well, and it's, it's just, it's made the job very easy. I, I think that's, um, I mean, that's a kind of a, a military thing as well. I mean, nobody's mm-hmm. going to follow a leader who who stands behind everybody and points and says, "Off you go in that direction." I'll mm-hmm. be at, I'll be at the back here. Uh, I mm-hmm. think uh, when you lead from the front, is when you truly get that uh, trust as well. Yeah, that's that, that's how we you know we're trying to start a movement here amongst these younger generations to start taking care of our planet. And uh, you know, I've always kind of been that person to just you know put your head down do the job, you know, when it's in front of you and do it to the best of your ability. Um, so I, th- I think that's something that, especially now in today's crazy world, especially in the States, it's mm-hmm. something that we really need. And, uh, you know, this, I don't know if you've like read or any of the crap that's going on around here with this whole racial division in the media. Yes. Yep. It's, it's crushing everybody, you know? So this mm-hmm. is just, especially right now, it's just one of these, one of these stories that I'm trying to push out there that the people can see, you know, we don't care about race, color, creed, or religion. You know, we're all here coming together from, you know, all around the world trying to, you know, trying to help the world, you know, and do the right thing. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. No, I love the sentiment in that. And uh, I can tell from everything I've, I've watched or read of yours um, that it's it comes from a really genuine place. Uh, I have to say, though, uh, I'm a little bit jealous because when I was about 29 i was uh nowhere near this um committed to anything <laughs> yeah. yeah good on you mate that's awesome yeah no that's uh I, I was genuine when i said oh wow because i i don't know in in my head i i kind of had a few more years on you just because of the uh what you're achieving and how dedicated you are so yeah <laughs> uh, yeah i mean i i appreciate that but i could have never i never saw this coming at all i was never a conservationist at all you know i wanted to go into the military and do what i needed to do and then get mm-hmm. out and i love playing sports and i was actually thinking about going to law school um but it was just a trip to africa like 10 years ago with my family that had really changed the course of everything like on a dime it was just a flip of a switch is that right um you know and i think that i think that's very common you know it's, it's almost like walking past an orphanage or getting introduced to you know child sex trafficking or something like you know something to that extent and it's it just kind of changes your extreme. life yeah Exactly. And then right there, you, you know that it's just it's just in the back of your mind all the time. And that's kind of what happened was I couldn't stop thinking about it. Yeah. You and know, was it this was prior to head. prior to joining the military? Yeah, the military was a stepping stone. 
Oh wow! Um, to to get to that, so it was ten years. I was twenty when I th- we went to Africa, I believe. Yeah, around twenty. And so I was at the end of university, and you know, I think I had a year left of college. Yep. And I was in no position. I was like, I was, I was, I was a kid that just loved going out and drinking, you know. And uh, I was just waiting to get into the military. After that, I knew that was probably going to be my road. Um, so when I got out of college, I was still not. I was a kid with no money, you know. Still live with my parents, and uh, from there, I had, I needed, I knew I needed a skill set to be able to to do this, or at least get halfway in the door, you know, to bring over there and be able to help and. And whatnot. So, so John, yeah, can you just uh, fill me in and, and our listeners about what you see the problem is with the the poaching that's going on and and how you um, what, what you're trying to face up to over there? Yeah, I mean, the the problem. I mean, it, it really. I mean, we all we all we all know that the problem is 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 poaching, and we know where it comes from. The majority of it is coming from you know China and Vietnam, Thailand, is where you know, the ivory and the keratin and lion bones and all these kinds of things are going, which feeds a 20 billion black market trade. But we're, so we are facing that, but we're also facing a bushmeat poaching as well. Um, yep. It's, and that's wiping out populations of, of, of prey species, which ultimately leaves, you know, predators with nothing to eat. Mm. Um, so we, it's, I'd say 80% of the time where we are, we're facing bushmeat poachers and then the other 15 to 20% is when you're dealing with elephant poachers and rhino rhino poachers. And those are really the more involved syndicates that mm-hmm. most of the time, a lot of these guys are um, lifetime criminals and have a lot of other things on their record. Yeah. Um, so that's really what we're up against. And we're mm. in a really bad part of Zambia. Right. Uh, it's the most poached region in the country. Um, so there is, there's a lot going on. And it's like, we're going back to earlier where I was saying how I was young and, uh, and, you know, there's other people that kind of move in, just kind of point fingers and say, do this, do that. We've got a neighbor that does that. And they haven't caught any poachers in over three or four years. And we hear gunshots from their property every single night. Mm, wow. You know, and we've shut ours down, but the poachers know, you know, just we'll go around us and get to the other reserve yeah, and yeah. we'll be fine. You wow, know, that's so, and that's incredible. super frustrating because we don't get along. There's, there's no, uh, they're just these these people our neighbors are just they're relentless they just they're all there for themselves they're there for money um they could care less about the you know the wildlife on the ground so it's uh it's tough man it's it's the conservation is is seriously frustrating Jeez. yeah i can't Especially in i can't imagine how frustrating it's and i uh you know it's something i wanted to touch on definitely was I get the impression, uh, and I think I know more than you know the average person, nowhere mm. near what you've experienced. But I get the impression we're fed a very, very false narrative uh, in the media about uh, what is bringing animals to extinction and mm-hmm. and the rate. And I th- I think that's um, is that something you wanted to unpack a little because I, I I'd like to know what. <clears throat> what you see over there and how different you think that is from what the media perceives or rather what we're fed around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's very serious. And I think at this point I'm pretty well versed and I've, I've done my homework, not only, you know, what I see in Africa, but I also read a lot. I watch a lot. My favorite documentary, in fact, is, I don't know if you guys, have you guys seen Racing Extinction? Ooh, I don't think I've seen that. No. I think I've oh, seen the name. Guys- gotta put you got you gotta watch that it's called racing extinction consider okay. it done mate phenomenal you guys will love it and that really dives into the extinction crisis on a number of different levels um it, it goes from you know from oil drilling to our diet you know and it's uh, to the oceans it's really it really expands its view 
it's and it's it brings you a ton of knowledge on what's going on and they they show it to you you know it's it's not like it's not made this isn't a media media stunt um hmm. so i would de- i would definitely watch that but from what i see in africa it's uh i mean we all picture africa to be this big place with you know planes that just you know go to the end of the your you know your site you know you can't see any longer and you're just looking out into this vast pl- wilderness and it's not it's not true and if it is a lot of times there's not even wildlife in it you know it's just been it's been poached there's a lot of places that just look like a graveyard you know it's uh it's sad and that's that's what started making me question um this a while ago when i first got to africa like what what's going on here and then i started asking questions and i started educating myself and that's when i really came to terms with the reality of what was happening and that's when everything changed you know so it's it's just it's it's just super sad, you know, because you see the greed when you see an animal with its face cut off, whether it's an elephant or a rhino, you know, your your life turns. That's you know? uh, the first time I saw that was uh, in footage this week. Uh, it was a small package that was put together, and uh, with you guys were discussing, uh, you know, some of the things you face, and mm-hmm. there was footage of that. And I have to say, um, mm. you know, for anybody listening. Uh, I do want to. I do want to explain it because mm-hmm. uh, of I think the impact. Uh, but you know, if you just uh, be careful if you're sipping your coffee, eating your breakfast, or whatever. <laughs> um, but no, I think you know what I'm saying. Like it's it's it was gruesome. And and do you mm-hmm. do we shy away from that? Uh, you know, in order to not offend um, somebody who's doing a workout right now, listening to the podcast. Well, I don't think that's exactly what we're here for. So it, mm-hmm. it's it's quite literally. And I didn't even know this myself. I my assumption was that if you were to get a rhino, um, this is my assumption, and 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 I know it's wrong now, but mm-hmm. I thought, okay, first of all, they'd probably they'd probably shoot the animal, uh, and then they'd saw off the horns, and then they'd move on. It's mm-hmm. absolutely nothing like that. There's, the situation mm-hmm. is they're cutting the spine of the rhino with an axe so that it cannot get up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then while it's still alive, um, they're cutting the front part of its face off. And mm-hmm. the footage that I saw, um, so it could still see, um, but its tongue was just, just it was horrific. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I wanted to say that, because if you don't understand that, then I don't think you're going to understand uh, anything in the rest of the podcast a, a, mm-hmm. about what you're kind of up against. Yeah, sure. It's, um, it's, it's so that does happen a lot, you know, when the animals are still alive. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, sometimes they use sedatives to knock the animal, to just drug the animal so they can, they can pull it off without firing a gunshot. And oh, the right. other one is if they've fired enough bullets, and they would don't want to risk being heard. They won't fire another one. So if the animal's almost incapacitated, or at least to a point where it's laying on the floor, then they they will cut through its spine, uh, so it can't. So move. they won't and waste a bullet to get caught it, when they exactly because they don't care about the animal anyway. Yeah, and the crust on the bottom of a of a rhino's horn, the beginning of the horn, like in its skin, is the most valuable part of of the horn. Oh, incredible! So that's why they dig all the way through. That's why. You know, when you when you see these animals and their horns gone, you see like their, their whole face gone because yeah. they're, they're taking everything, and it's worth a lot of money. It's gruesome, and uh, th- that's another thing I think that we're we're misled uh, is that 
there's this um, now I'm not saying it's not true I'm not saying that it doesn't add to it but there's this uh, this kind of anti-hunter movement where they're they're trying to put all of this extinction blame on people that that go over to these countries and hunt and mm-hmm. what a lot of people don't understand is that I would I would argue that ninety percent perhaps more of the hunting that goes on over there uh, from white people traveling over is within these contained like fake environments anyway. So they're breeding the animals within mm-hmm. these environments and then somebody's going over there and hunting them. Um, mm-hmm. Whether you agree with that or don't agree with that is is not really the point. I think the point mm-hmm. is that the media is being fed that these people that go over there are responsible for the for the uh, massive decline and it and mm-hmm. it's reading That's, this stuff on your yeah. website was was kind of enlightening. Mhm. That's not yeah, that's not true. Um, you know, I'm definitely a, you know, I believe in sustainable hunting. I don't agree with the notion of trophy hunting. Mm-hmm. But I, as you guys know, um, in South Africa especially, they've, you know, they breed animals like lions yeah, and tigers. Exactly. And all these kinds of things and in a I mean, and they they raise them to be domesticated and then when they get big and beautiful, they shoot them, which is a terrible business, you know. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, a lot of these, a lot of these people too. A lot of these trophy hunters. I mean, it's very ego driven. So they'll they'll come over and shoot an animal and say to all their money. And I don't know if they believe this or it's just something they say to, to kind of blur the lines of conservationists, get activists off their back. But you know, they think or they say that all this money is going back into conservation, and that's just not true. Mm, you think <laughs> at, it's at just all. going to the to the tour tour providers. The, yeah, it's it's, yep. go, it's going to, it's going to the outfitter, and I think there was a study done a while ago that said like three percent of the money that they spend for that animal actually goes and sees the communities, wow. and they give them meat and whatnot, but that's still not justifiable. I mean, no, it's not. We find ways to protect our wildlife through education, you know, and donations. We don't need, to, you know, we don't we don't use blood money, you know, and yep. uh, that's something we like to, you know, to speak out about and, and push out because we think that's total nonsense. Because they're so ego driven, they'll literally say that they're the reason these animals are still there. Because mm-hmm. they can hold on to their lens, you know, but they're also crushing gene pools, you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they, that's exactly right. They're just breeding within the same circles and just, mm-hmm. um, you know, ruining that what it, what it is to be a wild animal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. No, it's 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 vastly different. Even what you've explained already is is kind of vastly different from what I think everyone assumes uh, that they know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's funny. I get that a lot. Like. Uh, and I don't comment on Facebook or Instagram or anything like that. I'm not a keyboard warrior, but it's just uh, it's it's funny. Like when I have dropped comments in the past, when hunters will like come after me or trophy hunters specifically, um, they'll say something, then I'll I'll leave like a just a smart ass comment back, <laughs> and they'll be like, you know, who are you? And and I'll just be like, oh, I've been doing this for years. And then they kind of just then they kind of just shut up. Mm. But uh, it's it's it really is. It's I'd say most of it's ego, and it's it's it can be infuriating. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it's it's people, as you say, it's it's keyboard warriors, and that's a lot mm. of the problem with a lot of the topics we've discussed already tonight is people's yeah. uh, people's opinions on stuff that they've never witnessed, and that's mm-hmm. uh, that's why I was so interested to talk to you because you've had your feet on the ground over there. Yeah. Uh, something I did I did want to jump back a little bit too because it did, it is another thing that's kind of uh, I I wasn't able to dig up myself, but uh, you, you're saying that that joining the military was like part of this master plan. What, what sort of, um, so you consciously did that and what sort of skills were you hoping to, 
to ascertain when you were in the military? Um, honestly, I wanted to go to war. Um, that was that was my whole plan. Um, I, I wanted to I wanted to face those realities. Um, I I live in New York, and my dad went through nine eleven. Um, so we were pretty affected by that. So okay. there was this whole, you know, in the back of my head for years, you know, I knew that it was going to come a point where I needed to serve my country and, uh, and join the military. And I, and I, and I love that. Like there was nothing wrong with that. Um, it no. was a little frustrating cause it was so much time between when I joined to when I get to Africa. And that was like my real tug, you know? And, uh, yeah. so I knew that was always going to be in the back of my head. But, and, uh, so when I got out of college, you know, I went to the Marines and uh, they kind of, they pushed me away because I had something on my record they didn't like. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like right away, I walked in the door and they were like, they looked at my paperwork and they were like, yeah, no, <laughs> you gotta oh, wow. try somewhere else, man. <laughs> so, uh, so I went to the Navy and, uh, and I didn't want to be, you know, I didn't want to be in a submarine. I didn't want to be in a boat. And, you know, I enjoy working really hard. You know, that's, that's kind of who I was, you know, work for what you get and, you know, all that. Um, so I got, I got picked up for the Navy SEAL program. Um, so I was in that for about a year. So that was my whole plan. You've got to, you get drafted to that. Like you try out for it and have to pass a bunch of tests. Is that the BUDS program? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get picked up, you get selected to go. So you've completed BUDS and done all of that and. No, I got injured um, and set back a couple of classes right before the end of selection. So this oh, is where it gets wow. interesting. Oh, okay. I'm which listening. is fine. I'm listening. <laughs> um, it's it happens to like six out of seven dudes that go through it get injured or fail a test at some point. So if they like you, they just they hold on to you, just set you back a class or a class is however many you need to make it up. Um, so it's super common. There's like a whole like section for those people, like you know, getting ready to class up again. And uh, I had. I had two torn labrums. I had it. My, my toes were in bad shape. I think I had two broken toes. Um, but uh, it, yeah, it was sad because I got rolled back and I had this feeling in the back of my head that if I got rolled back, I was not going to keep, I was not going to accept that it keep going. Like I, I needed to get to Africa for, that was just my thing. You know, give it your best shot. If you get rolled back, get out and go to Africa. So that's kind of what happened. I got rolled back right before selection ended. And I was happy, you know, I made it that far and I was, I was, I was stoked. I was really pissed. I got rolled back because I had gotten to that point in my head where I just, I knew I was, I knew I was like, I was doing well, you know, and I was like, I got this, you know what I mean? Uh, that's like a hill you've kind of got to climb over is, is, uh, is getting that confidence and overcoming what you thought you never could. And then once you're there and can see the top, you're like, yeah, hell yeah, I got this. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, so, so that's at the point where I got rolled. So that was, that was upsetting. Um, so I didn't think I deserved that, but you know they've got the reasons for everything. Anyway, so my class wasn't to class up for a couple months, and I'm sitting there like Jesus, you know. I really Africa started to tug on me more and more as it had during the year, but at this point, obviously more because I was sitting around doing nothing, waiting to class up again. And it was to me, it became it came down to a decision where am I going to stick this out and do it five years, or am I going to get started in Africa now? Uh, is this a message? Uh, you know, what, what are you going to do? And it was probably the hardest decision of my life because I had worked really hard to get there. I loved where I was. Um, but I knew that at the end of the day, we're not at war right now, you know, and after these animals are dying every single day. Yes. Like what's, what's, what's more important here? And that was really tough. I mean, I, and I'm not someone who reaches out for help, but I consulted a few people about it. It was really tearing me up. And, uh, eventually I just pulled the trigger and I was like, all right, you know, it's kind of, I walked in the office and said my goodbyes and was like guys thanks i'm not going to take it um that's it for me and i packed up and 
basically left. I was out of the Navy within a month, and within a month after that, I was already in Africa. Wow. Jeez. That's, uh, that is incredible, mate. Uh, yeah, I don't know where to start on that. That's that's really cool. Because, <laughs> I, I, so I, you know, I, you, you only pick up bits of these uh, in, in, you know, media releases and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. and so I really wanted to dig a bit deeper, but it sounds like that, that calling it doesn't sound like it could have been any stronger like, I, I don't i don't know if i've ever had such a moving <clears throat> time in my life where i was that convinced about what exactly where i needed to go and what i needed to mm-hmm. do yeah but, it sounds uh, like a crucial time for you man did you how long ago was that and um what's happened since then and how long has it taken you to to get to this point that's been that was about i think yeah cause my guys are coming up so i got still have a lot of my good friends are in the, are in the seal teams now and uh, they're waiting to get out to, to help me out because <laughs> they're not doing much. You know, they're sitting, you know, the Navy SEALs, they're all trained for war. Uh, so, you know, and they're, and they're great guys. Good friends know, to have. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, they're, you know, they're, they're stoked to get out. So they're hoping something pops off <laughs> within yeah. the next year or two. Otherwise, you know, a bunch of them are going to go. So that was, yeah, that was about four years ago. Um, so since then, it's it was really me. You know, the advantages we have, obviously, guys in the first world is we've got we've got social media, we've got influence, things that, you know, these teams and stuff like that in the middle of Africa don't have. So right away, I knew that was to our advantage yes. um, was that we could we could put this in the spotlight somehow if we get through the right connections and really highlight what these people are doing and then help them out across Africa. But I wasn't going to start fundraising and all this because I didn't know I did all my homework, you know, from from being home and and my research. But you know, for a long period of time, that was like coming up on like six, seven years since, you know, I was really affected by this. Um, but I knew I had to get on the ground, um, and go out with these teams that have been doing this for decades, um, and really understand from the ground level, you know, what's going on. So I went out alone for a bunch of different periods, but it probably accumulated to be about a total year on the ground with sometimes I was out in the bush with rangers that didn't speak a lick English for weeks in a row. Wow. You know, and um, mm. so that was really me almost like you're putting it in like military terms, going through like a basic training all over again in the African bush, you know, and that's what I knew I <laughs> needed to do. I needed that that firsthand experience, um, you know, from the bottom and then and then, and then climb a little bit, you know, to the top. Hmm. So well, I did that for about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Is that and the, during that time, is that where you met Les Brett? Yes, I met Les at the end of that. Right, um, which sounds was, like perfect timing. Yeah, and he's someone I've I've held on to. Um, he's he's so passionate. He you know he fought in the wars in the in the Bush Wars um, in the seventies, and uh, he's just he really believes that this is going to be self through education. So that's why he has a school called the Dung Beetle Bush School, which is what we uh, yeah, what we run. I love that um, name. Well, wow, that's cool. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> I was thinking about um, when I was reading it, I was thinking that the Dung Beetle, yeah, that, that's kind of like a, a metaphor for my whole life. It's, just put, <laughs> <laughs> it's pushing shit uphill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I asked Les. I was like, Les, why did you name it the Dung Dung Beetle Bush School? And he goes, Well, they ran out of names. (laughs) (laughs) They ran out of all the cool ones, like Kuyu and the. Oh yeah, he's hilarious. I mean, if you guys were ever to go out, I mean, you gotta you gotta meet him. He just he he lights up a room. He's got more jokes than anyone I've ever met in my entire life. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, that sounds good to me. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's how I came across him. And I went through his school, and I loved it, and I really felt his passion. 
And I knew that that was going to be, you know, part of what we do is, is and focus on is education. You know, that's, well, that's really the most important thing. Um, so that's why, you know, growing this, I knew that I had to hold on to him and, uh, and we get along super well. Um, so wherever we have a project like this massive one that I'm sure we'll get into that's happening in Zambia now, we yep. want to replicate that school in South Africa on all these, you know, reserves that come under our management. Yep. And have it solely on, you know, focused on education. Yeah. I, uh, I do like the idea and I did, I did pick up on that somewhere through the literature that uh, you're looking at creating something that can be rubber stamped to other areas. Uh, again, mm-hmm. it falls back into what I was saying earlier. What interests me about this is that you're creating something that continues without, you're creating a legacy. Like this, mm-hmm. through education, this continues whether you're there or not. It can continue at, at, at 10 separate locations consecutively without you having to be at 10 locations. That, that exactly. I, th- I think that's the key, mate. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'd like to, I mean, wherever we, you know, have these reserves in schools, this is what I've got to get less to start training guys from that local country, from those local regions. Um, to do his job so we can we can spread this out across you know southern africa yes um our traction has been so good we've gotten requests now from botswana and from the drc uh virunga national park i'm not sure if you guys had seen what happened there i think it was about two months ago no um but but 12 rangers are murdered in one sitting it's a super violent place for anti-poaching and and communities and conservationists you know they're all really facing life or death in uh in a lot of different scenarios so they're they need help bad and especially now with the virus hit. So yeah, it was, it was, it's awesome to be called from them, you know, and, 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 you know, that they're looking for us for assistance, but it couldn't have come to us in a more difficult time to raise the funds to be able to do it, you know, in the midst yes. of all this. And that's, you know, that's, that's where the, uh, that's when I received the, the email was basically to, to kind of highlight that this, um, this pandemic is, is making people hold on to their, cash a lot harder Mm -hmm. not knowing uh you know it's affecting people's livelihood in every corner of the planet and i think that's what you know it's the difficulty that's now affecting you guys is is a Mm flow-on effect from that like what what not many companies and and corporations are going to want to be shelling out sponsorship money but Mm -hmm. the problem is they're not stopping poaching they're not going on holidays yeah you know, they're not taking a break yeah. from poaching because of COVID. They're they're going helpful. Yeah. It's probably easier for them. Yeah. Uh, something else that uh, I, I think this is another one of those points that I don't. I honestly don't believe that people understand what poaching is. And what I mean by that is, I think they have this thing in their head where. Uh, you know, at night time, a, a four-wheel drive comes in and a couple of dudes um, shoot an animal and they take what they want and they, they take off. But I don't think people understand the violence, mate. I think that I don't think they understand the danger that you and your team are putting yourself in to mm-hmm. to, to try and help these animals. Uh, some mm-hmm. of the, the crazy stuff I was, I was reading... Um, uh, you know, maybe you want to talk to that a little bit. Is is the the technology and the the weaponry and everything that these syndicates are bringing in mm-hmm. into these areas? So it's not just uh, it's not just some guy running around with a thirty year old rifle. It's it's uh, you know night vision and all sorts of stuff like that, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it, it can be um, depending on the syndicate and what's being poached. You know, that's. 
I mean, we all we know that the illegal wildlife trade is worth so much money, and we know that at the top of that is the elephants and the rhinos because their tusks and their horns are so valuable. So these guys who are doing this, it's it's a misconception that you know this is a lot of this is because of poverty, and the bushmeat is uh, totally. Yes, but, I understand that. You know, these guys are risking. I mean, they've gone into zoos and killed animals. You know, and killed wow. people defending the animals. So they're there also to send a message. And when they come in with they can afford things like night vision goggles. Like for us, a good pair of night vision goggles, at the cheapest, 10, 12 grand. Wow. You know what I mean? We, we can't even, you know, it's hard yeah. for us to afford boots and pants for our guys, let alone stuff like that. And then they come in with other automatic weapons like AK-47s and, uh, and, and, and they're serious. Like they bring one guy, now it's sometimes it's two guys that are only there for security reasons. You know, so they'll come with, a, with AK-47s and a couple magazines and be ready to, you know, have a shootout. <laughs> Wow. Um, so when you've got guys that, and these guys, you know, it's such a lack of manpower and you're covering such vast pieces of land. It's, it's, it's really tough, you know? And, uh, it's just, I mean, people don't understand it, the violence either, because we try to put stuff out on social media and you guys know that there are restrictions on Facebook and Instagram are ridiculous for what you can and can't yes. sponsor and really put out there. Yep. Um, so that that's been that's been super difficult, and it's also the longer I do this, I mean, I've gotten up and given a lot of speeches at this point, and we live in the Western world. I mean, more specifically, me in New York. You know, it, it really doesn't get much more first world than that. Yeah, and exactly. It's, uh, it's, it's such a juxtaposition to it is. To it's cool else because I can see both sides of the aisle. You yeah, know, it's and I think people too. like that because I've been here and I've been there, and I can just tell you the truth from my perspective. But it's, you know, why would you care about? animals being poached in Africa and you know, they're like, well, why don't you just focus on America? Like, why should we be giving money to Africa? You know, or, yeah. um, you know, so that, that's, that's like a big case. And then people, their lives are so convenient here. You know, even if you were to dive into like, listen, man, like if you eat one less burger a day, it's going to save hundreds of thousands of gallons of water. You know, it's going to reduce yep. the methane emissions, you know, all this kind of stuff. But our lives are so convenient that, no one wants to stop living the way they're living. No, you know, no one wants to inconvenience themselves to no, better. No, no, they, they want other people to do it. Mm. But they don't want they to do, do it. I know. Oh, I yeah. think I think that, um, the U.S. Uh, again, I'm, I'm I'm pretty well versed in your uh, the fishing game uh, efforts over there, and they're absolutely incredible. And I think that you know, for anybody listening who who takes your last question, like, why aren't you putting all this time and effort into um, uh, you know, U.S. animals. Well, that that time and money has already been spent, and it continues mm -hmm. to get spent. Uh, the mm -hmm. amount of money that fishing game and resources that are pumped into the U.S. system, and they're reaping such amazing benefits. You know, with yeah uh, bison in in Yellowstone, I think it is, and then in reintroducing wolves and and the scientific. Oh, I love that story. I love it. I love it too. Mm -hmm. So the scientific level at which they're uh, assessing these landscapes and then methodically and very carefully introducing these species or reintroducing in this case, the way that they're scientifically monitoring levels uh, so that they're, they're main, as you said before, um, uh, what was the term you used for um, the kind of uh, the gene pool? Uh, mm -hmm. They take all that into consideration. So that answers your question. It's well, that's why I'm not. I would assume that's why you're yeah. not. You're not focused on it. The U.S. is because that does, one percent of that doesn't exist in Africa. It's it's like mm -hmm. a, it's a, it. Well, it's literally a war zone, isn't it? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, it really depends where you are. Uh, like where we are in Zambia, you know, the people are great. It's it's really not it's really not that violent. You do come across your violence syndicates, but it's really not bad. Like you compare that to like, you know, Southern Zimbabwe or Mozambique or the DRC, and they're they're different stories. You know, so that's where we hope to hop to next. But it really depends on your region. But yeah, like you said, I mean, a lot of a lot of that money here is going to where our mouths are in terms of conservation. So we, we are doing a good job. We could be doing better. This administration is awful. You know, the Trump administration in terms of the environment. <laughs> um, yes, uh, we we um, we've seen that. Whilst we don't, um, uh, whilst we don't kind of you know cover the hunting side of things in this podcast, we most definitely uh, in in a new segment. I'll always be bringing up uh, places that he's kind of reopening for for mining and ridiculous kind of things like that. So yeah, it's it's um, a, a fairly common occurrence for Ooh. us to. Yeah. find something of his <laughs> yeah i mean totally against everything that we stand for um but it looks like he's going to be here another four years so we'll be in a bit of trouble but he's just an idiot <laughs> totally <laughs> yeah <laughs> just straightforward he's just an idiot but uh yeah so that's that's why that's really why i focused on africa because you've got even like uh look at the amazon you know why the amazon's being destroyed because they're sitting in the middle of these third world countries that you know don't have the funding to do these sorts of things and have so many levels of corruption that it's you know, that the only hope they have is the international community. Yes. You know, coming together and throwing funding at good organizations. Yeah. You know, that's what's going to do it. Yeah. And, and this, this, the stupidity of this is when you, when you break it down to a grassroots level is, uh, let's take um, the Great Barrier Reef. Uh, are you familiar with that in Australia? Yeah. It's one of sure. the seven natural wonders of the world. Okay. So mm-hmm. it uh, just happens to be off the coast of... Australia, okay? So mm-hmm. then we have become custodians for that. It is our mm-hmm. responsibility to maintain that reef for the entire globe, not for mm-hmm. our own selfish purposes. That mm-hmm. That's off the coast of the country. Yeah, it, it, it falls in our water, but mm-hmm. do, you, do you understand what I'm trying to say? It's, oh, it's 100%. Like, like it I've is, had this argument before. Right, so like it's the US uh, responsibility to... Um, maintain Yosemite National Park so that mm-hmm. my sons can come over there with me and hike half or see Half Dome or, you know, it's a responsibility to maintain these natural things. And when the Great Barrier Reef starts to get affected by uh, things within the water that are traveling mm-hmm. around the globe through currents, then that's where that's where you can't just sit there and say, well, I'm looking after my backyard. So... It doesn't matter yeah. what they're doing in South America. Mm-hmm. Well, it does matter. That's where your it oxygen's does. coming from. <laughs> yeah. That was a big argument with the Amazon because there was people from like Brazil, like, you know, this is our responsibility. And you've got everyone else from around the world like, no, it's not. <laughs> That's all of our responsibilities. Yeah, exactly. 100%. It's almost mm-hmm. like you need to take that off them and say, sorry, you're not you're not being a very good custodian. We're taking over. <laughs> like, it's... it's Wow, that that's a rabbit hole, mate. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> hey, 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 John. Can I um just get to something now about what what you think the value is in these um horns and the animals that you're trying to protect, and where's the market for it, and is there any way to sort of I don't know just reduce the value of these things to try and you know have some have um, some impact. Reduce the value. That would all start. 
you know, at the source. So that would all start in China and Vietnam. And for them, these governments to step up and say, listen, mm-hmm. this keratin is, is not curing cancer. It's not warming blood. It's, it's not, it's not an aphrodisiac. It's not giving you boners. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. uh, it, these are just things that's scientifically proven not to do. Yep. And meanwhile, the rhino horn is still worth, you know, can be worth up to a quarter million dollars, you know, for, for a single oh horn. God. So are you serious? You know, yeah, but it, it's so culturally deep in these countries that, you know, even when Hong Kong comes out and says, listen, we're going to make laws more strict um, surrounding the import of elephant tusk and rhino horn, that's great. But it's so culturally deep. You know how long that's going to take to root out? And do you honestly think that they actually mean it? Like, I mean, we all saw how much we trust China after this coronavirus came around. <laughs> you know, it's oh, like... I think uh, it's... Uh, I mean, I think it also comes down to if you've got people in, uh, let's say, for want of a better term, people in power in these countries who maybe they they partake in the old rhino horn themselves, then they're not going to want... Why are they going to want to stop that? Oh, 100%. That, that goes all the way to the top. I mean, it goes to the top in Africa too. I mean, the, and it's dangerous too right now because the, the Chinese are spreading out across all of Africa, you know, and there's a number of countries severely in debt to China. Um, I mean, I see it more and more everywhere I go and it's... It's it's sad, you know. It is because and there's a lot of Chinese that are really that are really environmentally conscious and conservationists. But it's a huge body. I mean, they've got you know plus a billion people in their culture. So it's it's not an easy you know fight at, at all. That's when right. Something is so culturally deep. And when you talk um, about the uh, education that you're trying to bring, uh, you know, to to Zambia, uh, it's. It's kind of sad because that kind of education on the reverse needs to be done over there with exactly what you just said, guys. This is not this is not helping you. It's yeah. not actually doing anything. It's it's, it's, a, it's not. It's a placebo, and and you need to. Uh, I mean, you, you want to keep doing what you're doing. It's not going to be there anyway. That's what I don't yeah. understand. Yeah, but they. Well, that's the thing. It's it's like they want to see these animals go extinct because the more endangered they are, the higher they can jack the prices. Wow. They must be um, kind of stockpiling, I'm assuming some people would be. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, there's other arguments too because we, it's illegal, you know, to trade in rhino horn. But there's people now that are fighting to legalize it, to start flooding the market. Uh, in, in, wow. the hopes that demand, in the hopes that demand goes down. So there's been a lot of people stockpiling for that. And they're like, essentially like, well, guys, we tried option A, where we, you know, criminalized, you know, the trade of rhino horn. Let, we we got to try plan B now because things aren't working. Yeah. And, and that's true and not true because there are, like Kruger National Park, for instance, is now losing less rhino than they were a couple of years ago. So I think the globe has come together in putting a lot of pressure on, on governments. So to some extent, it's working. But it's not going to die, you know. It's still going to be there. So it's it's a very controversial topic. Mm. Does the value change much? Like, do you think the value of of rhino horn and stuff has changed over the years in terms of well, how much it fetches and all that sort of stuff? Oh, sure. It I mean, rhino poaching. It, it it does. It it all depends on the demand. In two thousand nine or two thousand eight, I think was the year that rhino horn or rhino poaching soared nine thousand percent. Wow. Um. The, it, and it, but it's getting better. Um, it really depends on the time and the whole argument of flooding the market is like I said, yeah. it's controversial. Um, I don't know if it's something we should be willing to test, but honestly, I don't think I know enough about it and mm. the market, um, and the demand to, to comment on it professionally. Mm. So That's I really stay away from it. I just try and, you know, do our job and protect the animals the oh, best they can and, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and spread the word that, listen, guys, if we don't come together to protect these animals, you know, 
we're going to be, you're going to be explaining to your, you know, to your kids, you know, reading picture books about, you know, how and why we let them go and didn't do anything about it. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Uh, there's a, when you just mentioned that stat, it was one of the stats I read when I was doing some research and there's, hey, you know, when you, when you swirl that iced tea, Ooh. that is a delightful sound. I love that. That is a delightful <laughs> sound, right? People will be, they'll be, their mouths will be watering. <laughs> when they hear that, I reckon it's coming reckon across so good. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful sound. Right? <laughs> it sounds nice. like a bit more like a cocktail. It's good stuff. <laughs> it's lightening the mood, mate, and we probably need a bit of that. Yeah, <laughs> that's the sure. delicious iced coffee over here. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> we've got. I've got hot coffee. What are you? You want a beer, Craig? Yeah, drinking a oh, beer. Craig's drinking a beer. Yeah, it's it's, what's it's, what's it's not, over there? not seven a.m. here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's ten p.m. Ten p.m. It's ten p.m. Friday night. Craig's got to go. Yeah, you deserve a beer. He's got a beer. Yeah. Yeah, he's been working out. Good. So yeah, the uh, some of the other stats I I wrote down just to kind of um, bring up were really just well not 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 just scary, mind blowing, mm-hmm. horrifying. About a thousand words I could put on them. Some of the mm-hmm. uh, some of the stats like since 1979, 95% of the rhino population has been killed due to the Asian black market. Mm-hmm. Just that one stat alone Gee. says mm-hmm. so much. That that is phenomenal, mm-hmm. and I think that um, let, let's just say for argument's sake that that stat was a bit off. Okay, let's let's say it was it was inflated. I don't mm-hmm. care. I don't care. <laughs> okay, I don't care if you got it wrong. I don't care if it's only seventy percent. Oh, they got yeah. that wrong. That's ridiculous. It's only seventy percent of rhinos killed. I don't care. It's it's mm. bad, right? Yeah. Um, Ninety six elephants a day are killed. That's one every fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. Since nineteen ninety four, which was ironically the as one of your stats was the release of um, the Lion King that, movie. Yeah, that's what I tried to relate that. It was actually for a fundraiser. Um, ah, right. Yeah, that's where I saw it on a separate video. That's right. Our age. Yeah. So okay. I wanted yeah. To- related to them and say listen guys because the new one had just come out so from then to now what's changed yeah um and that was like i mean everyone i put it in front of a big screen at a fundraiser and everyone went from talking and drinking their beer to like oh shit yeah craig's <laughs> you know, just so, stopped drinking his yeah. beer <laughs> yeah. has that effect yeah <laughs> uh, no but it's great i love the way that you, you related that back so since that the release of that movie uh, the African lion population has decreased by 50%, so half gone. Uh, 1.1 million elephants at the time of 1994 are now reduced to 400,000, which is not really surprising if they're knocking off 96 a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, all this stuff, oh, the, the stat where it was rhino horn is worth more than gold on the black market. Mm-hmm. And what was the saddest one for me was there are only two northern white rhinos left on the planet, and they're both mm-hmm. female. That uh, one really sunk home when I when I saw mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that's I mean that that's the point, right? To really really drive it home. And I remember I was being interviewed about this um, within the last year, and I remember someone asked me that question about you know where's the demand coming from and. And I said, you know, it's well, it's an Asian black market, and they were like, you know, you shouldn't say Asian. <laughs> <laughs> I ended the interview. 
<laughs> you know, because I mean, you can't solve a problem if you don't if you don't call out the source. It's just not going to happen. I'm not going to be PC about it. If we want to fix this, we've got to be real with each other about it. You That's know, right. It's, uh, and you know, we you can't. What where's where's dancing around gotten us? It's gotten us from 1.1 million elephants to 400,000. You know what I mean? So absolutely, there's just no has. room for that now. We're, we're in at our, that moment. We're of, in our little bubbles and not listening to stats. That's probably the problem. Yeah, exactly. And we can't see. I think humans have a very hard time seeing 10, 15 years from now. It's very easy for them to see in an hour or the next week or their yep. next vacation, a couple months. But telling somebody that elephants could be gone in 15, 20 years, it, with most people, it doesn't register. Like they'll at first be really taken back. But then a couple minutes later, they just go about their day and it's just mm. like they know and it sits there. But well, they'll you know, it make, doesn't affect them. make an assumption that you're probably wrong or you're over-exaggerating, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, uh, which is which is part of the reason I think it helps because I, it's not like I grew up in conservation. You know, yeah. it's, I've seen things from both sides of the aisle, you know, and I've, you know, I was lived in New York, I was in the military, and now I'm in Africa. So it's like, okay, well, this guy's been around a little bit. You know, he's it's not like he's trying to convince us his, life, his lifelong passion. No, you know I mean, for conservation, and he's only eating green beans. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? <laughs> no, there's an honesty about it, and uh, yeah. your uh, your whole story is just is just honest. You're just straight up saying, um, you know, this 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 kind of obsession, or other, it was revealed to you, and and you just thought, well, you know, these these um, guys aren't doing a great job. I think I can, mm. I think I can get over there and help out with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's um you you're doing a good job, mate. I just I, I mean, there's a lot of people doing times. really good things. Oh yeah, I'm I'm sure there is, but uh, you know, f- uh, you know, you say people have a hard time seeing 15 years into the future, but um, you know, even when you told me that you were you were planning to spend all this time preparing yourself in the military before you could even get over there, I thought, wow, that's that's um that's a pretty big thing right there to be thinking that far ahead. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's something about Africa too that I, it just it, it it's weird. It, it just feels like home. Have you guys been over there? No, no, no not. you haven't. No, oh, that's got to be on the list. But I think you guys are stuck from traveling for a while. Yeah, we'll <laughs> be. Uh, yeah, we'll be stuck for a while. I mean, I think we could go there. We just wouldn't be allowed back. <laughs> but uh, no, we'll have. Yeah, you see, you might need a cameraman or something. So yeah, I might have to swindle a, a deal to get in there. <laughs> I was just thinking before you said, oh, I've got these um, seal mates are waiting, waiting to get over there. I'm thinking, how uh, how quickly can I learn how to use a gun? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it'd be great. Uh, yeah, we could, yeah, it'd be we could great to run through that. You'd hook me up. Oh, hey, that, that brings me to a. Um, com- com- I was going to say it's completely off topic. It's not really. I saw a video of you. Um, the internet's a great place. I saw a video of you at some um, uh, tactical training place. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what video was it? Uh, it was you going through what I would essentially say is a timed. Uh, uh, training sequence where you have to um, let off uh, a positions. specific amount of rounds, move to the next position, let off a specific round, amount of rounds, change uh, your okay. magazine, move again, move forward to the. Yeah, do you recall that one? Um, uh, there's a lot of them. So yeah, I, okay. I don't, then. I don't know which one you're talking about. Well, anyway, about, but... either way, it was you. The way you moved was so methodical and calm. I thought, yeah. Yeah, th- this guy's going to be great out in the field. <laughs> Sounds scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Craig, it was scary. But yeah, he looked like an assassin. So, But that's what they need, mate. They need they need that, right? Yeah, that's actually that's at another Navy SEALs compound. Uh, he's in Florida. He runs a, 
a training combat out there called Full Spectrum Warrior, and he's a great dude. Um, actually, grew up by where I am now, and because I didn't go, th- I didn't go all the way through the SEAL training. You know, I got out. I wanted to keep going with training. Um, except this time, I had to pay for it. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> but Rich, uh, the guy who runs who runs the show, you know, really cared about the story. He's going to be attached now to Soldiers for Wildlife and come out and help as well. Fantastic. Um, so now, you know, I, they're just now they're really buddies, you know, and uh, we've kind of linked up the teams and, you know, so Sweet. we can continue this. Relationship All right. So I have to go there first. I, first, I've got to go there. Then I've got to come over to Africa. That's how I have to do it. Oh, yeah. yeah you'll have a great time <laughs> at the at the training facility. It's really awesome. Oh, I know. Like there's a thing here, John, where... Uh, you know, our, our listeners are used to us talking to, you know, people who climb mountains and um, uh, all that sort of stuff, you know, um, mm-hmm. ex- extended expeditions and all this sort of stuff. But mm-hmm. the connection for me is is, uh, is is a real simple one. And, and quite simply, it is we are talking about uh, the environment. Mm-hmm. We're talking about uh, sustainability oh, yeah. of wildlife and so it was a no-brainer for me to kind of crowbar this in and mm-hmm. uh and expose it to an audience that um that is probably just as passionate as we are because they're the ones mm-hmm. out there doing the right thing and spending the time in the wilderness so um yeah, um, yeah it was just a perfect fit for me whilst mm-hmm. it may it may seem you know we're talking about shooting guns and stuff uh it uh <laughs> it's a bit of, it's quite different but at the same time i think people are going to get get the idea that uh we're um we're talking about it for a very 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 good reason yeah sure I mean, we want to actually too for the hikers and things like that we'll, we'll have a program set up where you can hike across a certain piece of land on our reserve, you know. Now I think that'd be really fun. How's so you can that walk, for a segue? You can walk with a few, uh, yeah. with a few rangers. We'll put a few rangers at your sides, and it'll be like a couple days trip, and you'll just go from one side to the other. So you'll be protected, and you're on foot, and it's just like that'd be really neat. Like so that's something go, almost like a walk man. with the rangers hike. Yes, you know. So great. That's it. Uh, that that's something we want to definitely exercise because I haven't. I'm going to have to open up my own businesses out there because I haven't for the last three years. I mean, I went to college, the military. I was when I, I couldn't get into a career here because I've been, you know, volunteering my time in Africa, making no money. And then when I come home, I work two to three jobs at a time. And like, I mean, delivering boxes, picking up garbage, you know, uh, yep. ca- pick caddying uh, security, like you, you name it, I've done it, you know, so that's we're going to have to we want to do like a yoga thing, too, where we do yoga retreats out there and you could like overlook a body of water and the wildlife comes in and like, things like that. So. That's awesome, That's, mate. There's gonna be a lot of different expeditions uh, for for the for the hikers. And we've I mean, actually been trying to get gear from the hiking community. Um, it's been we haven't been focused on it for like a year, but I think we're getting pretty close to it because our platform is growing. Okay. Um, but you hey, know, that uh, stuff is on a serious a note. I've got some some good contacts in that in that area. Um, oh really? Yeah, perhaps even some of the the sponsors that we deal with. So yeah, most definitely, mate. Let's let's talk. Uh, continue this conversation. Um, you know, through email, and uh, let's see, oh, that'd be great, let's see what we can, uh, what we can do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because as, as far as I'm concerned, um, you know, I even went on there. I even went on today to buy a trucker's hat, but you don't, you don't deliver to Australia, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, no. For you guys, I can make an exception. Yeah, I can good. Okay, well, out. good on you, man. Well, I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll work that out as well. I'll, I'll. Uh, <laughs> deposit the cash and we'll um we'll sort that out because yeah sure um yeah in to be honest you know between when this 
this has only been a couple of days since the, since it was confirmed that we were uh, the opportunity came up that we could have this conversation, and mm. it was a bit of a last minute thing. So I've spent two days just doing all this research and and it was literally this morning i thought i'm sold on this i'm buying a hat Mm. i'm sold (laughs) and i went i went oh man i wanted to get on tonight and say my my hat's on the way but yeah craig craig laughed the other night when i was here i said oh craig they've got truckers hats and he knows i've got quite the collection and he just Uh, laughed you're such a sucker for trucker caps I do love them, but they are they are gray and white. So I mean, when I'm out in the bush, I mean it's a couple of days and they're brown. That's all right. You know, so I, I've That's got to good. get a bush hat, <laughs> yeah. like a camo one, a camo version. Yeah, yeah, camo, you know, khaki color. And yeah, like yeah, that. that's a great yeah. color. Yeah, no, there's, yeah. there's a whole range there. Now that's a good yeah. idea. I'm liking it. So yeah. Yeah, so do you? Uh, you've been back to states to Africa like dozens of times, or just a, a few um, times. At, at this at this point, yeah, it's getting up there. I'm gonna live out there um, eventually. You know, I've had to come home and fundraise because I've been the tip of the spear. You know, uh, for the organization for you know since it's since I started it. So yeah, which is something I'd like not to be <laughs> in a couple of years. I'd like to kind of go dark um and kind of erase my name from it so i can start going after the bigger dogs and just not have my name out there yeah uh, like it is now yep um but hmm. but yeah for sure um it, it's I'd, I'd like to get out of the spotlight <laughs> that's for sure yeah. um but it, it takes a lot you know i've had to come home we actually had a beer come out and it was gonna actually we had a lot of interest from australia we had a beer i don't know if you the, guys had saw it called the game, game ranger. ranger ipa yeah i did yeah Whoa. and it was awesome craig it loves was, beer he's so opposed to australia mad for it <laughs> So, but the, uh, this brewery does, they, they've done business with Australia before and it was, uh, it got international attention. We did a sample batch and they're ranked in the world for their craft beer. I mean, they're phenomenal. And when it came out here, the sample batch, it sold out in four days cool. and people from all over the country were requesting it. Um, the UK, Australia. So we're, we're, we're trying to find a way to you make it a permanent line. And once Ailsmith totally committed to it, they were essentially like, we've never received this much traction before. Is that right? Uh, and for them being, you know, world famous, that was kind of like an eye yeah, opener. Like, oh yeah. wow, this could be a serious movement here, and this is perfect. You know, it's a perfect setting. You're drinking beer, you're getting something in return, and you're giving back to a cause. Yes. You're enjoying yourself. Yes. It's like something to talk about on the can. It's got a write up. You know, it really is perfect. Mm. Um, so it's supposed to start this June, but with COVID, it it pushed it back, and now it's at a point now where we've got we still have bars that are interested, but how do we start approaching bars and and companies to take this on when you know, they're struggling to survive. You know, it's just not yep. the right thing to do. So we had to push it back. And now we're trying to find a way to have a link where you can just go online and order a case or a couple of cases, however yeah. much you need, and it can just be delivered. So you know, our bars are door. opening here in our state, mate. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're, we're, doing, we're doing well. We got, uh, we're down to two, two live cases, I believe. Hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's good, eh? Oh, everyone, much, oh, yeah, much man, better than us, man. <laughs> yeah, everyone really, um, really embraced. At least in our state, they really embraced the lockdown, and uh, it yeah. was uh, almost, uh, I think, a testament to to the Australian public, at least where we're from, and and a couple of other states as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was proud to say I was uh, part of that. Um, you know, <laughs> one state's kind of blowing up a little bit now. Nothing, nothing crazy like like you guys are getting but uh in the scheme mm-hmm. of things it's yeah so they're going back into lockdown but um but no yeah so bars are opening mate so and uh craig and i actually we actually um 
met the owners of a bar when we were hiking once. So, yeah, you never know. Mm. Yes, that would be <laughs> Do good. a bit of a, a reciprocal kind of a deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe we can, we can get it out there. I mean, let's hope, fingers crossed, we can get it out there before the end of the year. But mm-hmm. we, we got to find a retailer to ship it. It's uh, Absolutely, it's a, it's, yeah. It's just tricky right now with all this it's going on. It's a big on, one. You know? Oh, I understand that. I think... Uh, you know, if that goes around the world, you know, that'll change what we do and that we'll give back to every organization we can, you know, for help because it's essentially for, you know, the Game Rangers. And that's why, you know, I named it Soldiers for Wildlife, not because we were in the military. It was specifically for the Rangers that were on the ground every day risking their lives, you know, mm-hmm. to, to, to do this job. It's, mm. it's, it's highlighting their sacrifice and paying homage to the people that have died you know, doing it. So yeah, that's, I, I'd like that message to get oh, out that's, there that's you know, cool. with this can. I like that. You know? Cool. The, uh, so. they looked happy, mate. And, they, and I understand, yeah, they, they knew they were on camera, but all the videos I've seen of the uh, guys training or, or working with you, they look like they, um, you know, were just really into it. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's really cool to see that. Yeah, they love it. They love marching. It's like their favorite thing to do. Like I'll show up at like zero seven in the morning, and they'll they'll be drilling, and they, they love it. And it's and they'll be singing. It's 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 it really, oh, I really saw is that singing. That was absolutely. At first, I thought it was a um, an audio track put on the video, and I thought no, 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 they were singing. Oh, really? Really, really. Hmm cool it was awesome that yeah that one oh, they're a joyous group yeah and they're just cool. they're happy you know yeah. life is simple and uh they're there to do the job i joke around with them a lot um so it's it, it can be funny you know it, it really, i mean i laugh all the time <laughs> sometimes they don't know what i'm laughing at but i'm laughing <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, we get that all day <laughs> hey <laughs> hey hey john a lot of these statistics and a lot of this um you know that i'm hearing tonight is is fairly new to me what what mm. what what makes a bigger difference for for you and and your organization is it the perhaps money and funding or is it like awareness and do you think that we need to to sort of wake up as a western culture to what's going on is it, is it a bit of both or is there something you're sort of pushing for it's 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 a bit of both i mean i think the western world has to learn to care yeah <laughs> and they've got yeah. to they've got to understand the what's behind this you know if this if these ecosystems die what's going to happen you know but like i said it goes back to the 10 15 20 year thing ahead of you mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and for us it's definitely funding especially now um, because of the wall we hit, like we've got this opportunity now to take over the management of over 150,000 acres of wilderness in Zambia. And we've been given that opportunity because of our close relationship with the community and the chief makes the call. And he, you know, we sat down with him and he was, wow. he knows what we do for his, the indigenous out there. So we got the option to do it or the opportunity to do it. And, um, but we, this happened three, four months ago oh, and was right we decided it was going to be only a concept like like you know star values a conservation community project it's going to employ over 80 plus people it's going to invest money back in the projects in the community every single year the better their quality of life as a whole um but it just it like it happened three months ago four months ago so we've been putting everything together you know to get it going but you know to find a big donor right now that wants to be the name behind this has been really difficult um be given the times but it's a great opportunity because it's not only going to be a legacy it's going to be something we replicate across Southern Africa. It's a, it's a really great thing. And we're trying to do it as genuine as possible and keep the group tight. You know what I mean? Cause we'd yeah. want this to be not a big corporate entity, but just a bunch of people that are just out doing, you know, doing this to do the right thing. 
um, a very trusted organization, you know? So uh, it's just, it's been really difficult finding the people to put the stuff out over. So we have gotten the backing now of some celebrities, um, former professional athletes and things like that. But we're also, we're running out of time because there's, we can only we can only mess around on this reserve uh, with the, in the dry in the dry season, which is like going to end in October November. Wow! Um, during the wet season, it's just it's flooded, so we can't build we can't secure the area. We can't build roads. It's we have to cross a river to get there. Uh, it turns into basically the Acavango Delta um, during the wet season, just like marshland. So it's really hard to do this in the wet season, near impossible. So. And we've got these people, especially the chief out there who's relying on us to put these funds together that they don't understand what's going on globally, you know, so they're just waiting for me to show up to sign a deal, you know, give them some investment money, you know, and pick a project that's going to go to and pay him off for signing it. Uh, but we're like sitting here empty handed, like, guys, you, it's been it's been really tough and I can't show up there with that excuse. You know, I'm going to try and push it back. But it, there's a lot of pressure because there's a community relying on us, you know, yeah. and uh We've got to get this work done, and and animals there, they're dying every single day. Yeah. Like I think the whole northeast corner is there's no animals there anymore. Like we've got to bring that back to life. So it's 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 just it's mounting pressure, you know. And it's um, we understand the times, but it's it's you know it's frustrating. Um, so we've been people have been putting stuff out for us, which is great. You know, we just made a GoFundMe, and we had a couple celebrities put it out, but we're really we're trying to get that to really circulate around the world. It's I think it's called African Conservation versus COVID nineteen. Um, and it's just money to get this started, you know, to, to get, to secure the area. That's it. It has nothing, nothing else, nothing else on it, not the whole completion of the rest of the project just yeah. to get over there and start. You know? Unfortunately, money talks, doesn't it? Mm. It does. And that helps us reach, you know, a bigger body is once we can get, you know, us over there, you know, back to work again and with the money to do it, our work is going to speak for itself and we're going to get much, much more attention just from doing that and putting it on camera, you know? Yep. Absolutely. No, that's cool. Yeah, that, that's that's incredible. <laughs> that's an incredible opportunity that to to uh, be able to manage that much land. Yeah, mate. I'd yeah, love it's... to hear you talk more about this this new land that you've acquired because that's um, pretty recent for you guys. Yeah, that's that's the current campaign, isn't it? That's um, the current campaign. Yep, yeah. Um, yep. It's uh, like I said, it's in a really bad part of the country. It's next to. Have you guys heard of Kafue National Park? I think it's the fifth biggest in Africa. Um, I can't it's, say it's have... huge, but it's very, very poached. Right. Um, and we we're on the east side of the Kafue. Uh, it, it's and the south side is the Kafue River. It's a large river, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, the only access to the reserve is through the river. So we've got to get a ferry. <laughs> I noticed cost that us ninety thousand dollars, which is great because people will love riding it to yeah. get to our reserve. But in order to get the equipment over to build the lodge, temporary housing, the vehicles, uh, and all that kind of stuff to start we need that ferry, you know? So that that's, yeah, oh, it's, it's close to a hundred thousand dollars, you know, before we do anything. Shit. So, yes. but the project overall is only 2.5 million, you know, and that's building the educational school, building a lodge, building a base for the Rangers and yeah, basically the very minimal amount we need um, yeah. to secure the land. So it's not, and that much land, $2.5 million is not a lot of money. No, it's it's, it, it absolutely isn't. No, that's exactly right. We're talking about, um, you know, to, to to the three of us, that's that's a lot of money in our mm-hmm. personal lives. But it's not when you when you see how much, um, you know, somebody's dropping on a, a Super Bowl ad or something like that. It's it's, oh, it's yeah. absolutely right. It's nothing. Yeah. It's there's such <laughs> such selfish uh, selfish ways to spend yeah. money. This is and without, I don't I don't think I'm. 
over-glorifying this at all. What, what I'm saying here is you're literally changing the world in that, yeah. as you said before, if we have to tell our children about these mystical creatures that used to have horns and tusks and trunks, that is mm. a tragedy beyond anything I can possibly imagine. It's, yeah. it's, it's it a is. disgrace not to the African people. It's a disgrace to the entire globe. It is. Because, as yeah. I said before, they're the custodians on the ground there, but we're all responsible for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a geez it's a it's a tough one to kind of um and so yeah, yeah. john have you already got the rangers there in that park that were there established already or are you bring i'm not quite familiar with that are you bringing in more like a bunch of people to to patrol and yeah, yeah so on the reserve we have now i've got 13 guys out there every day um monitoring what we have now on the new reserve there's no security there at all which is why it's being so decimated um we haven't been able to make it over there and right before we were going to something came up in zambia and then i had to leave hmm. um so we haven't made it there yet but we've had people on the ground to look at it and it's apparently it's unbelievable hmm. um always so- water on it which means there's wildlife there year round yep yeah. um so, but what's going to happen is next year, if we can somehow find the money to start the project this year, secure it, figure out where we're going to put a base, a lodge, temporary housing. We actually just got puppies too. You guys probably saw that. Yeah, that was actually um, my next topic. <laughs> oh, God. We're, I'm so excited for that. But anyway, next year in the second quarter was going to be the time where we held the selection course for the indigenous people to be game rangers. Awesome. Um, and we'd probably bring in about 100 to 150 and select between 50 and 70. That's great. Um, and so that that's where I bring in, you know, some of my military guys and then, you know, guys from out there, you know, just conservationist bushmen. Yep. And then, you know, from the military side from here and hold the selection course. Um, and then after they complete, you know, a selection, which would probably be three to five days, they go through like a two day little warm up and then a three day, I guess you can kind of call it a hell week. Yeah, yeah, uh, mini hell gonna, week, yeah. Who's going to stick it out? Yeah, the infamous hell week. Uh, and then we go from there and then the training regimen starts for a couple of weeks. And yep. then after that, then they get their positions, their teams, uh, and, they, and they're out into the bush. See, see that, that what you've done there is, is by creating a, a system where they, you know, they have to perform and then they have to, to work at it just like you did when you were coming through your training, mm-hmm. you're creating something there which, and you found it yourself in your personal life, you were extremely proud of of getting to the point you got to. Mm-hmm. If they're working hard to get there, you don't just turn up and, you don't just turn up and say, I'm interested and you get a gun and off you go. Yeah. Adding this to it, not only, of course, is the is the training and the safety and mm-hmm. the, the theory and everything important to, mm-hmm. to the way you do things, but... Adding that sense of of uh, team building, the camaraderie, the respect, mm-hmm. and, and the the regime, and all of that to it, then mm-hmm. I, I think that's just an incredible way to to imagine how proud they'd be to say I'm part of this and, and I'm making a difference. Yeah. And excuse my ignorance, John, but what are you training them for? What would their conditions be? Would they be um, remote a lot of the time, or would they be like how, how do they patrol? Um, is it is it day by day or is it like over a week or is it 
You know what I'm it's, getting at? Yeah, it, it's day by day. Um, so we're going to have enough rangers to cover the whole ground and have their specific region cool. um, where they're going to be. So it's really they're going to be in control of their area. Okay. Um, so we're, we're training them for a number of things. And most of, most of it's surrounding just the bush. You know, there's going to be a little bit of combatives and stuff like that. Um, but really, it's, it's, it's knowing your environment. Yep. Uh, and I think, you know, the whole way, the whole time we're doing this, like how I did with my uh, with my last 13 guys, um, I educate them along the way, you know, because they're not going to be, they're not going to work as hard. They're not going to be as passionate about it. Uh, they're not going to care nearly as much if they don't understand why this is so important. And so that's something that like, you know, even after like a day, if something comes to mind, like I'll sit the guys down and we'll just, I'll have a chat with them. You know, and and give and give them like a little life lesson, and and let them know what they're doing, and that they are they don't know it, but they're the forefront of our environment and and our livelihoods, you know, across the globe, and yeah. they're getting a lot of attention right now, and you know, and I get them a little excited because I, I pull out my phone, I start filming them, and I'm like, guys, you know, a lot of people are going to see this, and they love it, you know, they go crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's so how they, that can help for sure. I'm sure that can. Oh help. yeah, yeah. It's. And it's great. Sometimes I give them my phone and they record themselves like singing and stuff and people love that. You know, they, they're really not this <laughs> is this, connection. Is, with, is this uh, on your Instagram or, or the Facebook? I, I think I might have put them as stories, but I can probably send them over to you. I think I have them. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're funny, you know. Because, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, in the, um, you know, the, uh, what, what we'll be doing is, um, you know, pushing this through our social media but uh, and we'll put all the links in uh, on a show notes page and everything. So I think uh, people people will love to see this. They'd love to follow mm-hmm. Instagram and and uh, see this for themselves. So that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they they love it. And you know, the goal too is to it's really to create an economy um, that's thriving, or you know, at least getting a lot in return um, for protecting their heritage. You know, and uh, I th- I think once they know exactly what they're doing is when they become more proud of what they're doing. Yes. And that just makes the project that much more successful. You know? Exactly right. It's that's exactly right, mate. It's not mm-hmm. if you drive around in this in this car for eight hours, I'll give you money and then you can go home. It's it's mm-hmm. um when they realise the the magnitude of what they're uh, what they're doing, I, I think that's great because you really just th- then they're going to be advocates. They're going to go yeah. back to their villages, tell their friends, families, and say, "No, this is what I do, and this is why I do it." Did you know this is happening? Did you know yeah. this is happening in our exactly. own backyard? I, I think that's a fantastic way. And and as you said right back at the start, education is is a fundamental pillar of what you guys are doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you guys will you you'll really find this interesting, but actually half the guys we have at least half of the 13 used to be poachers wow they used to be bushmeat poachers um, wow and there will be times where we'll come across some poachers that'll be good at what they do but haven't been doing it too long and they're they're just to feed their family and there's a lot of instances where you know they'll poach for the bushmeat because bushmeat is more expensive there's more value to it Right. Um, and they've been doing it a long time and, uh, and we, we won't take them for whatever reason, but if, if we feel there's good intentions and it's going to their family and they're not, they're not selling it or as much, yep. then, you know, I will, before I hand them over to the law, we'll, you know, we'll talk to them and say, listen, you're really good in the bush. You yeah. know, you're, you've, you haven't been out here that often. You know, if you want a salary, you know, and I, you know, we put you through some training and you get through a little bit of a selection, then you know, you can have a job and get paid on a monthly basis instead of come out here and risk you having to go to jail. And 
that's been putting foods on their family's tables for, you know, since, you know, we started. So, and it's, it completely wipes out. Like we don't have to train them for the bush anymore. It's really just combatants and stuff like <laughs> yeah, that. They've already got the, those They skills. know what the hell they're doing. Yeah. Oh, that's so incredible. That is interesting. That's, uh, if it comes to like an elephant or a rhino poacher, that's something we obviously won't do. That's way too criminal. Absolutely. And, uh, They've crossed the line. And a lot of those people, like I said before, are involved in a lot of other, you know, criminal actions and things like that and have records. Ooh. But for these guys, I mean, have, yeah, like I think a little bit more than half of our guys were used to be poachers. And I think that's a, I think that's, that says something, you know, that's, uh, so to that extent where you got the bushmeat trade and stuff like that, a lot of that is poverty, you know, so you Ooh. can, you can solve that. You just have to have an open mind to it, you know, and uh, and it was hard for me to do it first too, and I didn't really understand it until Daryl, who I'm partnered with out there, kind of told me about it, and then how he'd done it in the past, and it was really successful, and so we did that, and it's just it's mm. you know we're crushing it. We haven't there hasn't been a gunshot in our reserve since we started after yes. after we got the first three weeks we were there with the team together, and there were gunshots every night. We arrested all the syndicates in the area, recovered ivory, and since late August there hasn't been a gunshot right so it's we're, we're, we're doing pretty good <laughs> yeah so john i'd love to ask a couple of stupid questions in fact i do that all the time but at you, the don't, moment, you don't really have any other ones <laughs> <laughs> so perhaps um you said that a lot like perhaps i assume that a lot of the poaching is for um for trade in ivory or perhaps mm. trophies which one of my stupid questions is why are lions perhaps uh so valuable um if you said a lot of them are taken, but then at the at the same time you say a lot of it's for bush meat, like the majority of of I suppose the um, you know animals getting culled is for that, is it? Um, wait, say that last part again. So is is it is bush meat like the majority of the of poaching poaching that goes on? Yeah, yeah, it uh, is. yeah, definitely. Um, and that's where just, we are. And can you explain what why that that happens and what bush meat is all about? Because it's a new term for me, and I'm imagining mm-hmm. that it's just because like hunting occurs for for food and and survival. Yeah. That's essentially it. It's it's just wild meat. It's wild fresh meat. Yeah, um, and yeah. it's and it's more valuable. So you know when a guy comes out and shoots a yeah. couple of impala or or uh, inyala or whatever, any kind of antelope, they get a reward for um, that. Yeah, that it's just it's worth more money, so they can just go back and sell it. You know that that's it, and yeah, so that's right. the majority of it. It's really, and so most of the time it's nonviolent. You know they're not, you're not you're not a threat. You know at all. So yes, when you arrest yes. them, it's pretty it's pretty civil. It can be a chase, but most of the time you're not. No one's going to turn around and shoot at you. you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And that's because of poverty. You say that in some ways it's because of a, a poverty situation, or because there's not. Yeah. Yeah, the food's available. Or yeah, okay, cool. That's really interesting for mm-hmm. me because you know obviously our assumptions and, and some some of these are, are you'd, you'd call them myths or you'd call them whatever that you know that's what it's all about. But it's mm-hmm. as you say, the larger portion is be, is because of that. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, like wire snares. You guys are familiar with the wire yeah, snare. That's that's the same gruesome. thing. It can be from a gun. It can from you from a snare. You know, okay, but essentially yeah. they're there to get the meat. Yes, yes. Sweet. Do you think there's a, a lack of understanding? Uh, within the the people that are poaching for bushmeat and those communities, do you think there's they think that you know they're perhaps a a small amount of the problem and they don't realise exactly what they're doing to their own country and and those resources. Some of them do and some of them don't. Um, okay. I've had conversations with them before um, about the damage they're doing, like uh, you know simple things that they can understand. Like guys, listen, if you know you keep doing this, what's going to be left for your kids? Yes, 
You know what I mean? Like those are simple things that I, that I try and put across them, and and they know. But I mean, there's just no room for employment out there. There's nothing, you know, especially where we are. So mm. the good thing is that farming is something we want to invest in heavily because then they could sustain themselves and feed themselves, and it might reduce uh, the poaching uh, because they'll have access to food. And if it's something we can help, then that's something we're going to do. Yep. Um, but the ones that think that they're not a problem and and we'll just keep doing it. We've we've had guys come back and back. Um, not not to me personally, but, but I've caught a poacher before, and my game scouts have been like, yeah, we know him. Like we've caught him in the wow. area before. Like that hasn't learned their lesson. He's not that's getting it. the idea. Yeah, and those are the people that will we, you know. Then then we arrest them. We call the authorities, and you know they take them in. Um, so it, it it varies. Some do some do and 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 some don't. And some yeah some don't care. Hmm. You know, and it's so fast that they can wipe out an entire population of antelope. You know, it's it's so fast. Like you got. I mean, guys sometimes will come in and camp there for three days to a week and they'll kill 20 animals, cut them up, take the meat. And that's 20 animals gone in less than a week. And it's, yeah, you know, and then, too and much. then that, yeah. that's not to mention all yep. the other poachers that are doing the same thing. Yep. And then once they're gone, everything's gone. It's like, yep. you guys know how ecosystems work. It's a domino effect. Not exactly. And yeah. also the, uh, <clears throat> the time that it takes to uh regenerate 20 20 animals is oh yeah. it's, it's not two months it's not three yeah it's not even two years like it's it's a phenomenal amount of time to it is to swiping out to generations build. yeah yeah in, in, in an un uh you know with no science behind it whatsoever it's just mm-hmm. it, i see it i shoot it i take it there's there's not mm-hmm. even um you know we were talking about the u.s conservation where it's it's very calculated and measured, but this is just a, a, a more of a greed thing. And oh, it's, yeah. Uh, uh, it's incredible. Hey, uh, mm. I thought we could lighten the mood two ways. Um, <laughs> we puppies are pretty, one of them. Puppies is one and just, just a little swill of your, of your iced tea. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Ah. Oh. Oh, there it is. <laughs> how, have you, how have you kept the ice for so long? I just don't understand. Uh, it's, it's it's in a thermos, and I, I got to stop drinking it because I really got to pee. <laughs> that's, why that's why you guys haven't heard it in a while. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, in the last podcast we did, Craig, I'm just kind of letting a bit of uh, behind-the-scenes information oh, out here. Oh, the magic. Um, you know, I'm talking, I'm talking to the, uh, you know, to the person like I am right now with you, and then... Craig's voice disappears for a few minutes off the. He's just not part of the podcast for a while because he's he's don't three, three beers do down. Don't and tell me now. Come on, let's not talk about <laughs> this because I'm sure we're all holding so up. So if at any point yeah, it's just on. if it's well, just you and me, you got another guy to help. Yeah, yeah that's, that's it. That's exactly right. You're on yeah. your own over there. Yeah, if you if you tap out, we've got a big problem. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk amongst ourselves. We've, if you have we've to. done podcasts where Craig and I talk, and they're absolute rubbish. We need a safe word or something so you can leave, right? And we'll just keep talking, telling jokes or whatever. Uh, oh, we're good for now. We're good so for a minute. F- good. F- fire away. Yeah. Uh, good, good, good. A couple of minutes. Uh, okay. <laughs> Belgian Malinois, I think it's pronounced, isn't it? Yeah. They're yeah. they are. I do like them. They're a strange-looking dog, but I've actually been looking at getting a second dog, and they were one of the ones that I've been looking at a few months ago, coincidentally, and then and then I saw them pop up uh, in the press release I was sent, and I thought, wow, that's that's pretty cool because mm-hmm. they're well known for their intelligence and amongst you know a hundred other amazing things that they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the the dogs and the dog training and the the canine unit. 
Yeah, sure. We um, yeah. So they're they're Belgian Malinois. They're extremely intelligent. They're very energetic. Um, and I was with these dogs. The first time I came across them was two years ago in Zimbabwe. I had gone out to visit a team and and really you know get to learn. Like I was explaining in the beginning of the podcast, you know, it was one of the teams that I went out to learn from. And they had a they had a team of four. It was just a, a dog team, um, and then they had other game scouts. You know, other than the ones that were had the dogs, uh, but the dog program was phenomenal. Um, and two of the dogs came from this organization that we partnered with called Dogs for Wildlife, out of the UK. And one of the dogs, I mean, they were both really impressive, but one of the dogs was just a stellar dog. The dog's name is Rogue. And every day I got to go out on, you know, whether it was patrols or whether it was just a, a mock training situation where we'd send out a poacher um, to run for three to eight k's, and then the dog and the team would track behind. Uh, and that was just, it was incredible. You know, the advantages you have with a dog team are, are really astronomical. So, mm. What are those I advantages, that that was... mate? Just for, I mean, I'm curious, but I'm sure other people are thinking, what, what's so different about having a dog amongst your team? It's It makes tracking at night possible. Uh, tracking at night is, is very hard to do uh, without having a light. I mean, sometimes you can pinpoint a gunshot and know if you've got like a limited amount of trails on the reserve, you probably know where they came in and where they're going out of. It's usually the same trail. Okay. Um, so that that does help. But, you know, if, if it's someone if it's someone that goes off, a, a, you know, the ordinary trail and goes shooting an animal and it's going to exit a different way, the dogs just make that possible to track. Because at night, like you risk, if you want to track, you've got to open a light up and then that just gives away your position. You know, yep. it could be from 100, 200 meters out, you know, wherever you are. Um, so the dogs completely, you know, get, get rid of that, uh, disadvantage and they can, you know, a dog can smell if you're doing a perimeter check and you come across fresh spore, um, footprints, um, those dogs can smell body odor, you know, from that's three hours old. So they'll pick up on it. And then you're not like a good tracker can track at a fast walking pace and see the tracks about six to 10 feet in front of them. And that's a very good tracker. Yep. Um, a dog can do this at at almost a running pace. Yeah. So your your advantage is just they skyrocket. Yeah, it's I, a total game changer. I Not watched to the video. The deterrent already. You know, just having the dogs. Yeah, true. I watched the video and the the pace at which this dog was tracking the the um the guy was at a full run. Uh, oh yeah. Trying to keep up with this dog that was uh, it, it knew exactly where it was going. It there was no mm-hmm. question. Uh, yeah, it's fascinating. That's fantastic. Mm. Yeah. So, and that word gets around so fast. As soon as you bring a dog in <laughs> and, and one person from the village sees it, everyone knows by tomorrow. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's great. What a deterrent. That See, that yeah. point right there never occurred to me. Yeah, that's awesome. Out of everything I've read, like I, I understand. Um, I just didn't. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for putting that into perspective. That That's mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. And uh, that comes at a cost though. Oh, this heavy. It's not cheap. It's uh, no, it's, uh, I mean, it's just like any other canine dog. Um, but I mean, when they're done with their like six to eight months training, uh, intense training, and it starts for these guys, the puppies, it'll start slowly in about, I think like about a month. Um, but um, th- at the end of the day, they're worth $10,000 a piece. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's for, especially for a nonprofit, you know, doing what we do in conservation where yeah. there's no money. That's, that's a big burden. Um, so we've started to sponsor a puppy initiative on our website where every month you can you know put whatever amount of money you can into it and every dollar from that so at the end of every month like i'll go in and find who only sponsored a puppy and every dollar will be taken out and they'll go to the dogs 
That's uh, great. And that pays for food bills, vet bills, their training, um, people, and all that. People love, um, love we've dogs. Got, they, it's, it's easier to raise money for dogs than humans. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So, I, yeah, mean, I get yeah. it. I totally get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, but people are, we got one to fully adopt a dog already, and that costs 12500 and you get to name the dog. You get to have virtual meetings with the dog. You get to come out and stay at the reserve for free and see what the dog does on a daily basis and who oh, it's defending. That's awesome. Um, so we we have and you get yeah you get to name the dog which which is neat. That's like my favorite part. But uh, we yeah, want to make incredible. sure that all of our dogs' names are pretty badass. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, that's right. You know, um, like Rogue <laughs> Justice. Yeah, Polaris, well, there's the kind of names you'd give a, a wrestler or something. Look, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. the Undertaker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's super exciting. The pups are now, I think, a week and a half old, two weeks old, maybe. Um, so they're still laying down a lot. Eyes are closed most of the time. But yep. they're, uh, what the videos, you know, we're going to start pumping out there once they start getting up and wrestling around. And, and that's what's really going to, you know, get people to be attached to it. And I think the sponsorships will start flowing in. That's um, so, so cool. We'll yeah. Start. I mean, that that's such a cool idea to, to use them to pay for themselves that's incredible i mean um people say that sex sells it does but holy crap puppies do too <laughs> oh, it's it, it's inc- it's the amount of messages i get when i put up a puppy picture is incredible that's great that, that's, that looks yeah. good so, that looks great i have yeah, no we're, we're stoked i have no problem with you guys exploiting the dogs because <laughs> because exploiting is not the right word because <laughs> yeah. the money's the money's going straight back yeah, that's to a them great cause. Mm-hmm. and then and then that and then the advantages from what you've told us the advantages of having more dogs on yeah. the ground is is saving animals I can see that yeah it's, it's, it's animals no, no protecting brainer. animals I mean it doesn't get much better than that yeah that is that's cool uh, that's great yeah. mate yeah well I, I might get one. You know, personally, for myself, we're getting four. There might be five. <laughs> oh, look! Uh, I think if you're eventually going to live over there, you'll you'll need your own dog. Yeah, yeah. Ca- I think chaos that, that, that's or something like soon. that. It'll be called. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're uh, definitely stoked. So they should be ready to go by if everything goes to plan. Uh, goes as planned, and we have the selection course in the second quarter of 2021. The dogs will be ready by then. So everything on uh, that timeline is, is, is perfect. It's, we're just, the funding now is just really, yep. you know, really, really crippling us. Yeah. Yep. You know. I understand that. Uh, I think these, you're giving people multiple opportunities, uh, you know, tugging on various different heartstrings. And, uh, you know, for me, it was the trucker's cap heartstring. And I'll be getting one of those, right? You know, so by each to their own. Uh, now I'm thinking, gee, do I walk around with my cool hat and sponsor a puppy? Like, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah so that's great. I love that. That's, that's a great angle. Um, yeah. yeah it's so easy you, to if promote. You, do, you come out down the road and we have the hiking stuff and you'll meet the dogs. You can go out and yeah. we'll do the drills with the dogs and things like that and do patrols. Like, that's something we're definitely going to offer because people love that stuff. Absolutely. I, I think that's yeah. a great idea as well is the uh, the diversification of of what you're utilizing the, the space for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you touched earlier on, on having accommodation there and, and running yoga retreats. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all that stuff just goes hand in hand with the wilderness, as does hiking, as does kind of multi-day mm-hmm. Uh, treks across the property to you know that you, you set up 
uh, you know, let's, let's say for argument's sake, it's a, it's a three-day trek across. Then you set up two kick-ass um, campsites, permanent mm-hmm. campsites, and that's where you stop um, with these people. And I, man, I'm, I can just see we've done a lot of of um, high, similar kind of hiking uh, in mm-hmm. Australia, and I've hiked in the US as well. And and you get these situations where you hike from cabin to cabin, yeah. and uh, you know you design the hike around key uh the way i kind of put it is is um payoffs so you say Mm -hmm. oh well here's a um fantastic uh water source and we'll make sure that when we design the hike we go near that water source because that's a real money shot there that's where people are going to sit down and they're going to take half an hour break and and take mm-hmm. a few photos and then and then our next stop will be here because this is a you know the edge of a cliff and it's a great scene like mm-hmm. the that exactly. that stuff really mm-hmm. you know resonates with people it, it certainly excites me so yeah yeah can't wait to yeah, get exactly. out there <laughs> and that's it, it all it all goes back and ties into education you know the yoga will be attached to the education yep. um when you're going out for a bushwalk and doing an adventure like that and you're with a couple of the game scouts, yep. you know, they're going to be educating you the whole time if you have any questions and things like that. So that's and that's like on foot on the ground. That's the best education you're going yeah. to get. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. I've only been guided on on one hike before. Uh there's a tiny island off the bottom of Australia called Tasmania. I'm not sure if you've heard of that. I've heard of it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely beautiful place and I um was lucky enough to go on a guided hike down there and and as you say when you're with somebody who's done that uh multiple times you're walking along a trail and and the um the guide would just stop and say hang on a second and she walks a few meters into the into the bush and comes back and goes oh here's these these snowberries try these and we're we're eating these berries this is incredible like i can't believe it and and then uh or or you stop at a lookout and say oh we're gonna we're gonna take half an hour here and just soak it all in like when you've got that that guide there when you're giving people the opportunity to learn about that country over there the animals the wildlife and and i'm no doubt um you know the the topic of conservation is going to come up throughout those trips Mm -hmm. uh, which is valuable for those people to bring home and and raise awareness there so, uh, and even the relationship back and forth with the guide or with the rangers, yeah. you know, that'll be, you know, people will love that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Get them all separate Instagram accounts and, and, uh, you know, <laughs> as, as, you know, some people's, I mean, you might think that sounds, sounds sad or whatever, but it's not, it's, it's promoting something so special. And as you said before, people love it when they hear directly from the rangers well yeah there's a reason for that you know it's it's yeah. it's good content it's it's feel good stuff i think yeah, um, that's i mean that's what we're trying to do is put them you know really in the spotlight and uh and i think that relationship with there's not many of it is is be able to have like our social media platform tied right to our rangers where you're going to hear right from our rangers you're going to see our yes. rangers close up you know on a story basis like we're going to be putting that's it right every day. And making that connection between the people who support us and the guys they're supporting. That's right. It's not John Garcia tells everyone about everything. It's no, I'm handing over to the mm-hmm. guys that are that are here doing it. I'm handing over to the guys who uh, whose children are going to be born here. And if yeah, yes, yeah, that's and 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 what I love as well is if somebody's spending that money on a yoga retreat, if we're spending that money coming over there and and doing the 
doing a hike. That's not so you can go and buy um, your own luxury jet and uh, yeah, you know exactly. cruise around the world giving talks. <laughs> it's yeah. it's so you can take that money and put it straight back in there. Yeah, that's um, that, that's it, man. And, you know, like I said, I'll be living out there, so I don't. I never. I'm, I don't. I don't want to be rich. You know, I'm, I'm rich now. You know, I love where I am. I love Africa, and I. I have a passion for what I'm doing. So, I mean, I consider myself to be really well off. I've never, I'm not out to make money here. I'm just out to live, you know, the fullest life. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I think I've seen enough to know this and be able to think about it. But at the end of the day, it's not going to be your material possessions and and all the money you made that's going to make the difference and put a smile on your face before your life's about to end. It's going to be the difference you make in the lives of others. I think that's the most valuable currency there is. And I think a lot of people need to see that. And I think because we're young and have so much energy behind us, I think it's a movement we can start, you know, and there are a lot of people out right now that do see this crisis going on that want to change the world. And I think, you know, we can light a lot of those candles too. And if we get enough energy and people behind it, you know, it's, it's, it's really only a matter of time. Yeah, I agree. You know, thinking positive. (laughs) (laughs) You've done well so far. <laughs> uh, oh, it's it's tough, man. In, in this in this world, in the conservation, it's like every step forward is two steps back. Yeah, you know. But um, it's it's just it's that it's just that never stop mentality which you have to have because if we do, it's over. You know, it's oh, that's, I, I'm that, that's the way guessing we, there's we, we about a hundred times you could have tapped out and go. Oh, this is actually too hard. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not going to do it anymore. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's it's 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 not in the books. It's just, it's not because of you know the dire you know, emergency that we're facing right now. It's just you know if we stop, it's you know what are we? How are we going to explain this to our kids? It goes back to that question. Yes. You know, there's there's no way we can do that, and we're all responsible in one way or another, you know, for making this world a better place and you know giving back to the that's world right. that gives you and everyday life and your loved ones and everything that you have and your possessions. You know, it's yeah. We all have to we all have to give back and play play some role in that. Yeah. And the, and this uh, you know through this podcast, I don't want to put a guilt trip on everybody on everybody listening, but you've now just become you've just now been given an opportunity by listening to this podcast to become involved actively. So mm-hmm. uh, you know that that's a good thing. Yeah, and you know in in today's world, we're so used to take take take, and in this consumeristic technological society that you know where yeah. i feel like a lot of us don't know what it feels like to give and that it's way better you know it's a way yeah. better feeling yeah and it just makes the world a better place and you know it's uh, i think a lot more people need to experience that and that's why like when these trips when we make this these trips for the school out in zambia it's it's going to be affordable for everybody you know we're not going to soar prices so that we, we can make money the best way to change the world is to get people to experience what you're doing, right? And, and to experience what they're changing. Yes, that's a you, very good if point. If you cut that to a small amount of the people that can do it, it's it's you're not going to have a difference. You're not going to change the world. You're that's, not going to light more candles. That's right. Especially you know? if you if you narrow it to the people that um, in the top tier can only afford mm-hmm. it. Because they're, yeah. not, they're not the people that are likely to be wanting to give anyway. No, yeah, exactly. So I mean, even if you don't have a lot of money, we're willing to yeah, we'll be willing to work with you and negotiate if it's something you really want, you know. So it's um, you you've got to make uh, compromises for that if you want to you know reach that level of change. Yeah, and uh, going back to my favorite um, business name of all time, the the dung beetle school. <laughs> uh, what uh, what sort of education are they are they offering? There's a bunch. Um, so Les is a level three field guide. 
Um, this guy knows more about the African bush from the soil to the elephants than anyone I've ever met. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he teaches things like scouting, um, ecology, ethology, um, anti-poaching. There's a number of different courses you can go through. Uh, and it's, it's fun. Like you're like, it's not like you're waking up with a notebook and you're sitting down in front of a teacher. Like you're learning about stuff you obviously care about. She went there to do it, but it's in, it's in a fun environment. Like I remember, like you're sitting around a fire in the morning if it's cold out and he's got a board in front of him and you're just talking about wildlife. Yeah. You know, you're, yep. you're asking your own questions. You're in a small group of 10 people, you know? So it's, there's a lot of back and forth and that lasts for like an hour, hour and a half. And then after that, you go out into the bush and either on foot or on a vehicle and he'll point things out to you that, you know, that'll, you'll find very interesting. Yeah. And it's all, in, it's all, it's all like in good fun. And then once you get to a certain level, you'll start to like, if you do Andy poaching and you go through all the animals, the wildlife, you need to know basic ecology, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, anim the animal behavior and, and approaching animals and when to back off and things like that. Um, so you put all that after you learn it to the test, like yeah. you'll go out and then with a group and then he'll, he'll look at you and be like, all right, now you're going to go walk up to those Buffalo and you're going to tell us when it's time that we have to turn around. So <laughs> that's cool. The males will come to the front, the females and the cats will go in the middle. And then you've got to then read, okay, when am I crossing that boundary? When is the time to step off? Yeah. Because a lot of people make that mistake that haven't trained that way in the bush and they get killed by Buffalo, you know, or, yeah, you know, yeah. or, or whatever. Yep. So that's all something you know that gives everyone the opportunity to really learn and that's something you never forget <laughs> yeah that's dope. you know that's... especially for your first time yeah so what's your thoughts like on that, that craig <laughs> <laughs> craig doesn't know john because he wasn't here <laughs> <laughs> yeah I he thought he got away with it and don't tell John, he's busting, so... <laughs> yeah, man, you're a lucky guy. I'm sitting here struggling Come right now. Well, he just told us the best part of the whole podcast, and oh. you weren't here, so you deserve that. You absolutely Mate, you said dumb Beatles, and I just had to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, so I guess, I guess we should honestly give John the peace of mind of going to the bathroom. What John, do you, do, you, do you need to... To tap out for a minute, mate. Are we are you starting I could. to sweat g there? Give me give me less than thirty seconds, so you guys can go yeah. ahead and start talking. I'll be back All in right. a second. You I go reckon. for it. All right, you guys there? Yeah, yeah, you feel better, mate? All right, we're back at it. <laughs> Feeling good. Yeah, good stuff. All right, good. We'll, we got to... Another hour and a half to go, so good. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. no. Uh, uh, hey, uh, I'm I'm sure you've had. I mean, you've told us a lot of the highlights over there. There was a a story about, and it's actually a video of you um, going out to see these three little baby elephants when i say baby they're the size of a car but they were mm. small compared to their mother what what was the story behind that um so there were there were a couple elephants that needed rescue and uh there was a lodge that was willing to take them what and, what, uh, so, what uh sorry to buddy and what designates or what defines they they needed rescue like what who they were either that? orphaned or elephants on occasion i know people don't like to hear this but elephants on occasion for whatever reason that we don't really understand will leave behind a calf. Yeah. Um, I've maybe seen they it think it's unfit, unhealthy. Yep. And it just happens. So yep. it'll start lagging behind the herd and the herd will just decide at some point to just let go. Um, and the mother. And uh, so 
orphanages will then take, you know, the elephant and if they think it's got a real chance at life or it's not severely injured or, or whatever. So this lodge decided to take them and I didn't even know what was happening. I had gotten out there because I'm family friends with the owner. Um, so when we got out there, the elephants were, just came in and I happened to be there. And then for the next three to four weeks um, was kind of a reintroduction because uh, they, they were fully wild. And the elephant on this property, on this reserve, is accustomed to humans. Humans, uh, It's always watched out for by humans. It's followed throughout the day uh, to make sure she doesn't get in trouble in any villages. And she'd been without another elephant companion for years. She lost a calf and her and her bull um, some years before. Uh, the calf died from snakebite. Um, and oh, the, wow. I, the bull turned like super violent and aggressive towards everybody. And it just became a really big problem. So I think it had to be put to sleep. Um which was sad. I wasn't around for that. But so for the first, for three to four weeks, I got to be a part of that rehabilitation process, which was pretty amazing. Um, they were, I think the eldest was a four to five years old. So a pretty big. And uh, so it was, uh, it was really interesting. So what we did was we put all, all three elephants that I think were from three different herds um, in the same little pen uh, to get used to their caretakers. And they had a sleeping pen as well that was next door with the with the matriarchal mother who was going to take over the adoption of these three. Um, so the goal was to have them near each other where they could smell and hear each other. Yeah, uh, sure. For a couple of weeks, kind of like when you put a fish and it's plastic on top of a yeah. on top of the water for a couple hours. It's kind of like that. Yep. Um, and then once we felt confident that you know all the calves were doing well, they were they were being fed, uh, they were all eat, actually eating, and uh, and they seemed to be healthy. Um, and they also had calmed down from their environment and they knew that the mother was there. Then once we felt confident, we decided to release the three to officially meet the mother. I think it was four weeks in and it was incredible. It was like they'd known each other their whole life and now they're just thriving still. That was like two years ago, I think. So they're, they're still thriving to this day. And it's, uh, it was really something else. Um, that's something I'd like to. I'd like to partner with an organization out there as well that I'm looking at. It's called Game Rangers International that that does that. They capture the elephants in the wild um, that are orphaned because their mothers or parents were shot, their families were shot, yep, um, or, or for whatever reason. Um, that's something we'd like to do and offer our volunteers to come out an opportunity to be able to, you know, have that experience too. Because once you see the amount of orphans that are out there too, it's just another thing where you really grasp how big the problem is. Right, and when you can secure this extra land you obviously have an opportunity to have a safe environment to mm-hmm. release these animals onto is that correct yeah yep uh we can do that we can open programs for that there is one close by so we'll probably stick with them so if we were to come across an orphan for whatever reason that's who it would go to i understand re- because they've got the expertise in that reintroduction is that is that yeah yeah okay. exactly we'd like i mean that's something i'd like to learn anyway and yeah. get to know um, I'd like to have a full-on rehabilitation clinic for injured northern wildlife down the road. That's one of the goals. Um, but for right now, like that's something you know, I'll just send volunteers to. It's not really something I can focus on at this point. Yeah, I understand. Um, yeah, but in, in any sector, you know, we'd like to help out where we can. Yeah, you know, that's I'm definitely very passionate about that. <clears throat> that's fantastic, mate. You you've given us throughout the podcast, you've given us a lot of different examples of ways um, people can can help. I was going to say help you, but but really they're helping the animals. Um, would you be able to just recap that before we go ahead and kind of wrap this up? Are you able to just mm-hmm. recap on the different ways that people can uh, get involved, uh, either with um, creating awareness or donating money, which 
as we've mm-hmm. established, is probably the most important thing. Yeah, donating money is, I mean, right now it's definitely the most important thing. But secondly, people, you know, they ask, you know, how can I, you know, I don't have the monetary funds to do this. It's like, well, you know, there's a, if you've got social media, you've got a platform. So if you can push any word out there, if you really care about it, you know, you'll do it. And that's like, that's one of the things that drives me nuts in this because people like, especially when I started this, they tried to really attach themselves to it because they knew how good of a cause it was and they fell in love with, they just, it was almost like they were attracted to the passion. Yeah. And uh, because of that, they jump on board, but you know, it, it only, it only after a couple of weeks tells you that these people aren't really passionate. They're just, they've got these great ideas, but they actually don't really care, you know? And that's something that's really frustrating. So I had a lot of volunteers come on board that just within a couple of weeks were just like, you know, it, it, it does get frustrating. You find out, you know, who's really going to put a lot into this, you know, and who really does give a crap about it. Yep. Um, but aside from that, we're going to have, um, I mean, donations are the best, um, putting things out there via social media. There's always a way to help, you know, and I, businesses ask all the time. It's like, you know, if, if, or people that have businesses, like, listen, if you really cared, you know, you'd find a way to integrate your expertise or your business to conservation. You know, there's always a way to do it, whether it's yes, absolutely. monetary funds or partnering in some sort of collaboration that helps both parties. It's, it's almost always possible. Yeah. You know, and I think we all have the ability, you know, at that level to make that change. But, um, other than that, we, we really do. I mean, it's, we'll have the volunteer program set up by hopefully next year where both ex-military members and veterans and, and ordinary citizens can come out and go through Dung Beetle. Mm-hmm. They can get involved with the Rangers. And those are, those are the people I like to really call conservationists because they're the ones that want to put themselves on the ground to learn more. Yep. Um, and, and to give back, you know, and so that's a program we hope to have up and running next year uh, to bring people out there and show them what we have and, and what we're doing and the overall scope of the project. Um, so that's, it's, it's all a lot of great and exciting stuff to look forward to. Yeah. You know, it's really, it's, it really just all goes back to the funding at this very time, you know, yeah. to get it together to start this. You know, it, it didn't occur to me earlier until you just said it then, what a great transition it is for, for veterans to then uh, feel like the skills that they've acquired in the military mm-hmm. are, are an advantage to the to them and not just something yeah. that they can no longer use because they've got to get a job driving trucks or something, you know. Um, yeah, uh, that's, yeah, that's kind exactly. of cool, you know, to 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 mm-hmm. for them to feel like they're needed because of the you know the the work that they've done for their country. That's fantastic. Yeah, and they they love it. They love being able to teach what they know. You know, yeah. and it's um, and imagine. especially for someone who just gets back from overseas, it's just it's almost like a relaxing period too. You know, so I mean, we do because we get I get a lot of messages from military guys like, listen, do you have any jobs open? And we don't like we like to strictly point out that. All the money that we that we have and we raise is going towards employing the indigenous. So we only yep. hire them to be any poaching rangers and whatnot. There might be a position open in the future here and there for you know a you know a friend or an ex military guy or whatever to run a certain position. Like yep. right now, I'm so busy out there now that I've got a volunteer from the Marines that a lot of times he just handles the day to day stuff with the rangers and the training and stuff like that. So I can do the business stuff. Yeah. I understand. Um, so things like that. And they love that, you know? And, um, so we do hope to have a separate platform for veterans to do that instead of, you know, there's an organization in South Africa. I'm not going to name any names, but they're also American. They're also ex military, but they're just full of crap. Right. And they pay these guys like $3,200 a month to do any poaching work on a trophy hunting farm. <laughs> um, there's, a, <laughs> so they're, they're not only protecting any, their, the assets, 
and they're not even protecting anything. They're doing a lot of things illegally, but they're paying their guys $3,200 yeah. a month to do this job. I could pay 30 Rangers to do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? At the rate, you you know, they're, they're, with their currency, and it's, I think, each, it's like $100 a month, $120 a month per Ranger. So I can put food on their family's tables, you know, 30 of them for the, for the amount you're spending on one veteran, you know what I mean? That now knows your organization's bullshit and doesn't want to be there anyway. Yeah. You know, so. That's, that's a, I, I think, I mean, we don't, we often don't like to, to talk about money. I'm not saying us, I'm saying in general, people tend to shy away from it. But you, mm-hmm. you just spelled out very clearly that, um, you know, you could almost, um, 120 bucks a month and you're sponsoring a ranger who's protecting, you know, such a valuable asset. That's mm-hmm. incredible, and and the other thing that that um, that I noticed on the website was the uh, uh, the transparency around uh, what you're doing or hoping to do with this money, and it was just so innocent. And it was spelled out on the page, and it was things like, "We need a Toyota, um, you know, four wheel yeah. drive, and we're going to buy it secondhand, and it'll be approximately this much." And it, and the and you talked about obviously the river crossing um, earlier. That was that was in there, and uh, the transparency and the openness. Like the more that I unpacked this uh, after the first time I read the email, the more and more I I fell in love with the uh, you know. And talking to you has just capped that off because I I um. I can just tell how how much this means to you and and the how genuine you are about you are about it. Your dedication mm. made it second to none. It's it's admirable. Mm. Thanks, man. I, I I appreciate that. And it's uh I I do. There's a part of it that I don't. I hope people don't think that like I'm trying to be a hero here. Or you know, it's like I'm using this platform because I have that advantage, and yes. I want to be able to highlight the work of you know, the game rangers and the other teams that yeah. don't have access to this platform. No, you know? so I don't we can, think we it, can go help them. It doesn't come across like that at all, mate. You've, no you've spelled out several times that you'd rather have your feet on the ground and, and work in the background. And, you know, eventually mm-hmm. maybe you'll have a, uh, you know, like a, a spokesperson, a face of the business and you can get on with what you love doing and, and that's catching the bad guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Catching the real bad guys. The yeah. guys at the top. You yeah, know, that's a uh, that's that's the goal, but it's it's tricky because I'm a foreigner moving into these countries that yep. that is doing these things, and now I have a, a spotlight on me, and it's like I'm picking the people's pockets that are sitting at the top making a lot of money. So it, yeah. it does become a dangerous thing where I'd like to be out of the, that spotlight too, well, especially when I'm out in these countries. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it it, yep. it gets dangerous, you know. So um, the more so depending on what country you're in, but it's it's tricky. You always have to be protected and. Um, you know, just just watch your backs. It's a it's serious. I mean, the illegal wildlife trade is tied in with international terrorism, uh, human trafficking, drug trafficking, weapon trafficking. They're all interconnected. Wow. So it's um you know it, it's it's a big deal. You know, and we need we need help, or it's just gonna it's just gonna continue to get worse. Yeah, mate. I'll, I'll go ahead and say right now that this is the heaviest topic we've ever ever um, discussed on the podcast. But I'm one hundred percent grateful uh for your time and your honesty uh not pulling any punches it it's um it yeah it's fantastic man i can't say enough good things it's been an absolute pleasure yeah you've given us so much of your time um and uh yeah i don't know 
This one, Craig will know that I'm rarely lost for words, John. I, I could um, talk the leg off a chair, but I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with, uh, with this just because of the purity of, of what you're trying to achieve and the, and the honesty there. It's, I'm struggling to, to kind of find the right words to, to really just say thanks. I mean, thanks, thanks. My kids will thank you for what you're doing, um, everyone yeah, and I know you don't want to take credit. You've said that many times. You you know the the Rangers are doing the the hard work as well. And we'll, as far as I'm concerned, we'll, we'll thanks thanks to all of them. So, mate, mm. excellent job. Keep it up. We'll we'll support it in any way that we possibly can. I, I think I think Tom's done a great job, and I think that such a great conversation, such a great chat. It's mm-hmm. opened my eyes. Um, Tom did a fair bit of research, and I was. Uh, just willing to to listen along well, to this. Lazy, and really. Just lazy. Willing to be lazy. Lazy. He said. <laughs> he said that <laughs> several times, and I said, "Okay, well, we'll see how this goes." And um, I've really learned a lot, and I think it's um, such an amazing, amazing topic, and uh, mm-hmm. one that a lot of our listeners will love to hear. and And I thought, I'm sure, they'll reflect on it. And I reckon yeah. I'll be. Oh, this is one I'm going to think about a lot because, um, yeah, it's 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 not. It's not so obvious, and it's, it's got many layers no. to, to what we're talking about. It's not all rainbows and unicorns either. It's not. That it's not <laughs> the feel-good podcast of the year. No, <laughs> but no. Uh, but if but if we want to maintain, just like if we want to maintain the wilderness areas that we we hike in, then why wouldn't we want to want to maintain the animals that live within those those environments yeah. as well? Yeah, I mean, without it, without them, it's not alive. Well, then you the envi- and, that's uh, exactly right, and the environment's going to perish anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, 100%. like like we've said, it's it really it affects all of us, and uh, I want to thank you guys too. It's been you guys are an absolute pleasure to have a conversation with. You know, this was, <laughs> and I'm glad you guys got me before I was back out in Africa, which is probably going to be next week. Me oh, too, for a long time. So, um, you know, definitely stay in touch. This is again, it's it's been awesome. You know, you, you guys you guys are great. Um, and I'm you know I'll ship you guys out your stuff whenever you want it. So pick out what you guys want. Yeah, I'll, I'll be hitting yeah. you up um, about Send that. Send me an email. <laughs> no worries. And then, uh, I can put the stuff together, have my guy do it, and and get it over to you guys as soon as possible. Yeah, yeah, we want to start spreading that brand on on our um, social media as well. Fantastic yeah. awesome. cause. Is it the same? Is it just hike or die on Instagram and stuff like that? Yeah, it's hike or die pretty much everywhere. YouTube, Instagram, okay. Twitter, um, and their website's hikeordie.com. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah, we'll definitely send you guys a follow and check it out. Yeah, we'll connect on all of that, and uh, when this does go to air, we'll uh, we'll be tagging all the appropriate. Um, you know, we'll tag you guys as well in every mm-hmm. every possible way we can. Yeah, thanks so much for the chat, John, and, and much respect for all your work, man. That's really cool to to you know get get so close to to this chat and hear what you're doing. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you guys are doing it. I mean, that's the point. You know, if we can bring this to people's lives, yeah. you guys are giving us another avenue to do that. So, like I said, it's really, it's not, it's a collaborative effort to make yeah. change, you know, and this is, this is how you guys are doing it. And that, that's great. You know, I really, really appreciate that. You know, it's, uh, we got to get more people to sign up to do stuff like this to get the word out there. Yeah, look, it's, but, a, um, it's the least we can do at this point. But, cool. uh, this is also my first podcast with my new gear too so i'm i love the experimental stuff i got yeah no it's been great it's been it's you're sounding really good mate yeah Um, so you're ready to go make sure you bring that iced coffee with you every time because it sounds great yeah it sounds like you're in a a tropical environment next to me next time i'll just have to put my hand over the microphone (laughs) (laughs) good on you mate all right you look after yourself and and safe travels when you get back out there and uh 
Just keep doing what you're doing, mate. You're a legend. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot, fellas. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll catch up soon. All right. See you later, buddy. All right. Bye. Cheers. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, we'd really appreciate your ratings and comments if you can spare the time. If you'd like to know more about Hike or Die TV and keep track of our adventures around Australia, make sure you drop by hikeordie.com. That's where you'll find all the information you'll need to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or Pinterest. As always, we appreciate your support. Thanks for listening. The interlude song played in this episode was On Christmas Eve, performed by the artist D. Van Key and used under the Creative Commons license CC BY NCSA 4.0. If you loved it, it's available for free download. We'll put a link in the show notes.